Hey, this is episode 143 of the Collector's Quest podcast, and I we don't get everything right on the Collector's Quest podcast all the time, but just two episodes ago, we did kind of coronavirus market predictions. And we've probably never been so wrong in such a short period of time, because I don't know if you've looked at the market, specifically for N64 through Wii games, but it is absolutely on fire right now. So we're going to talk about what's happening with common games, what's happening with collectible games, a few huge sales that we're a little late to the party with, like the, the Super Monkey Ball double pack and Atari games on Heritage Auctions. Stefan probably had his biggest week ever in terms of crazy stuff he bought. We have just a lot of casual conversation. It's a long episode, so I'm going to play the music now. Go give us five stars on iTunes and tell your mom about the show. Let's go. To another episode of Collector's Quest. I'm Tyler here with Johnny and Stefan. Guys, who is everybody playing Mario Kart with? Why uh, Mario Kart's worth like a hundred dollars on every platform now. Who are these people? Are they having people over? What is going on? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> that's how we're starting the show. I, who are they playing with? Are you guys all like with your family? No, I'm quarantined when I by think myself. Mario Kart, I think four people playing at the same time. If you're playing with two people, maybe you're some SNES weirdo. I don't know about that. But you're playing Mario Kart, you're playing with four people. And do you guys have four people at your house even? Hey, Johnny and I, I used to play Mario Kart together with just the two of us. Well, you guys are losers and need to get more friends. Wow. I mean... I'm coming in rough the... with, with something you guys just have to learn. I, I've said this, I think, on the show before, but like the first game I ever played with my wife, like video game, was Mario Kart. And we were playing Double Dash, and we were working to get the trophies and stuff. But she wasn't; she, she was her own racer. She wasn't like on the back of my cart or anything. So um, she, as I'm just about to complete Rainbow Road, she blue shelled me, and it was enough that I did not win. And because we didn't win, we didn't come in first place, which mean we didn't unlock the, like the mirror <laughs> course. And I was just like. What is your problem? What are you doing? We're on the same side. We're working for the same. She was just like, I didn't want you to win. Wow. Stone Cold Killer. I was like, and that is why I can't play. And like this is when I found out my wife has a little bit of a competitive streak, but only when it comes to beating me and that I already knew I had a very ugly competitive streak. And that's why I only play co-op games with my wife now. Yeah, I found that out with board games with Heather that uh, she would decide whether or not she liked a board game. It, it, it was determined by whether or not uh, she beat me the first time we played it. Oh, so, it is pretty similar. So if I won, then she'd hate that game and never play it again. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. This is, yeah, I I like I like to be competitive against the right people. Um, being super competitive against my wife is not the right person I want to be super right. competitive right. with. Uh, I would rather just us play a game we can enjoy together. That, hey, that's speaking of multiplayer, I'm super excited because my uh, RGB modded Virtual Boy came in. So I'm going to be playing Virtual Boy on the TV tonight, guys. Woo! I had to think for a second if that meant that your Virtual Boy was going to be displaying in color. And I'm like, no, that's probably not it. 
Um, I no, but it does. It does have a couple palettes. It's got. It's got a palette switch. Um, what? So so you can you can set it to different colors. So it's not okay. red. Like you could you can set it to a less screamy color. Well, they picked red for a reason, right? Why did they pick red? High contrast. Well, so it's probably the best color, right? Yeah. No. 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 Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, have you? I mean, my computer monitor is red because I have like the blue light blocking software on all my screens, so everything's red to me all the time. So red must be the most pleasing color to look at. Nope. All right. Well, this. <laughs> Tyler's if I'm playing Virtual Boy games, I'm playing them with the 3D effect because, damn it, I'm not dragging my Virtual Boy out for any other reason than for novelty. If I'm playing my Virtual Boy, I'm playing them with a migraine. I'm going to be super <laughs> interested to see like how the experience changes when you're not really tied down to like 20 minutes at a time. Like if when I can play four hours of Virtual Boy, like whether or not that changes the fundamentally changes the game experience, it'll be interesting. Tell me how Wario Land 2 is, because that game seems really fun, and I just can't play it long enough to beat it. Right. It, I, I, People say all these, like, they just kind of espouse these common opinions all the time, and I always thought people were saying that about Virtual Boy, because honestly, I'd only played it at my friend's house as a kid, so until I really sat down and played Virtual Boy, I'm like, oh my god, this thing really does give you a headache. How did they release this? What a strange product. I mean, it was just a different time, right? They didn't care if things gave you a headache. Right. And especially, like, if you think about it, like, it was also marketed at an audience whose, like, eyes were still actively developing. And I'm just like, this is just a not responsible thing to do. It's fine. It should be fine. It's all fine here. Don't worry about it. Uh, oh, you can... Uh, did you buy the Cthulhu game, Stefan? I did. Okay. I was going to say, if you didn't, I have it. You can borrow it. Well, I I'll probably buy uh like a player copy because that one is like that one was the one I that I ended up buying was like a case fresh copy, that will probably get graded at some point. And that's in's mouth no yakadas for yes. those who are wondering. Uh, Tyler, you were gonna say something. You were probably gonna try and get us to talk about what the f is going on in this episode. Well, I mean, I didn't tell us I, about I your episode. Started right off with the who the hell is playing Mario Kart right now? But, but guys, yes, Tyler, did you notice? Uh, tell us about your episode. A l- <laughs> This is this is my episode, guys, because because I brought it up. I'm cutting, I'm cutting, I'm really cutting this out. This is stupid. Have you noticed everything on GameCube? Uh, you just can't buy it anymore because because we can't afford it because it's only for the one percent at this point. I haven't noticed because I already have it up. Uh... <laughs> I look at Richie Rich over here. My God, can <laughs> Shut up, Mister. Also has a GameCube set. Uh, oh, that's true. We've <laughs> <laughs> got the complete set down, Tyler. This is Fat Cat Stephanie here. Let me just lay my GameCube games up on my chest (laughs) and look down at the peasants. (laughs) Fat Cat Stephanie is my favorite voice that you do. So the GameCube set, I think it's a pretty cool set in terms of the Nintendo stuff because it has the best representation of every Nintendo franchise. But it's not a set that's ever really interested me. And it's always kind of been in the back of my mind like... GameCube is going to be cheap forever. It's too durable. It's too common. There's not enough really like AA plus tier, AA plus tier games. And uh, look at how wrong I am. And speaking of wrong, two episodes ago, we were talking about like, oh my God, 10% unemployment. The economy's going down the tubes. What's going to happen to video games? And uh, it so can't far, keep going up, right? Uh, it's going to go up forever. Uh, apparently it's just like bitcoin you can't lose um (laughs) but yeah this has been a very interesting month and just so everybody knows 
I'm like a week or two behind on editing shows. So when we made that prediction show, it was probably like, like late March, maybe. Yeah, it was like, uh, yeah, it was not even April. We were probably, you know, in the, like three to four days before the last day of March. And yeah, so we were expecting to come back to this in summer, but things are already so crazy and so different and so clearly impacted by everyone being home all the time that we're going to talk about it now. Yeah, so give us, uh, let's give the people the general thesis, Tyler. What's the general thesis of what you think is going on right now? So I think it's it's pretty clear that people want playable games right now. So kind of everything is up. Actually, every single game I looked at for this episode, the loose copies of them, every single game went up. I didn't find one single loose game that went down in value. Kind of playable games, games that people want to play like Animal Crossing and Mario Kart and Zelda, those are all way up. And collectible stuff is like, it kind of ticked up a little bit in most cases. So people are definitely going after stuff to play. People are breaking out the GameCubes, I guess. And then uh, another interesting thing is that NES and SNES, like by far way less affected. This is like 100% driven by millennials, it seems like. I mean, like, let's throw out a stat real quick, though. Um, So... On average, the and this is game value now stats, so all our normal caveats with what's going on with game value now and all there. This is actually video nonsense. game price charting because I didn't want to use game value now None, because no, they took away I, Nintendo Age. N- no, I'm <laughs> I'm looking at game value now right now. You don't know what stat I'm gonna say. Uh, we made a whole Nostradamus. spreadsheet. Tyler, that I assume yes. you're looking at the spreadsheet we made. I am also looking at that. Just, Tyler, settle uh, down over there, okay? All right. Don't try and mansplain to me what's going on here. <laughs> Just because your people are out like riding in the streets yeah. doesn't mean you get uppity. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, NES games on average, and, and most of our stuff is uh, from Tyler's documents. Going to look back to February because that's like we're saying that was like pre pre coronavirus COVID, uh, and now to now. So NES games on average, complete in box, were. Uh, one hundred and eighteen dollars and fifty eight cents, and now they are one hundred and twenty seven dollars and ten cents. So a nine dollar jump. It's a that's not insignificant, and that's for just NES, right? So if we are talking about GameCube, though, if you look at February, on average, complete game was seventeen dollars and thirty six cents back in February, and now they are twenty six dollars. So while that's uh. A similar jump in like price it percentage wise that's a dramatic percentage shift for gamecube compared to uh you know nes so think of it in that terms don't think oh they both ticked up you know about nine dollars think one ticked up like 33 percent and the other one uh ticked up you know like 10 percent or less than 10 percent so those are the that's what i wanted to share tower so to uh illustrate your difference that you were explaining to the people Uh, i guess just to throw some numbers out there johnny um i I just looked at some popular games uh, on nes super mario brothers 38 dollars to 46 dollars complete although that game is super swingy especially with all the variants people are looking out for now uh increase of 21 percent that's the only huge increase i saw so uh, metroid went up eight percent contra absolutely no change Legend of Zelda, another very swinging game because of all different variants, went down 15%, but it could have just been swinging. Mike Tyson's Punch-Out down 
They, oh, it's because February was the all-time high for Complete in Box because uh, that might be one of the games that investors are targeting. Contra also surprises me because that's like it, when you when you say playable NES game to me, that's probably number one. Like as far as like its actual playability to just like oh, I'm just gonna play this for a couple minutes. You know, like if you're just like let me break out the Nintendo, you're not gonna spend seventy dollars in a copy of Contra. You're gonna go spend twenty bucks on a cart, and so all of those carts are up around twenty twenty five percent each. Yeah, and even Zelda, like you said, Zelda is down fifteen percent, but it's up. Uh, you know, it's up a percent, some percentage points if you just look at the cart, right? So it's up like 30% from 16 to $21 uh, on the carts. Yeah. And then the, the one kind of collectible game I looked at, I don't even, why do we even look at Little Samson anymore? So Little Samson has been like $3,000 complete and kind of 1200 to 900 range for a cart for the longest time. It's the craziest thing because once you hit 2016, there's a lot of stuff that happened. So 2016, kind of when the market peaked, other stuff started cooling down. Little Samson just doing his thing. February 2019, video game market goes crazy. Little Samson, $3,000 complete, $1,100 cart. I don't, nothing phases this game. And again, COVID-19 does not appear to have phased Little Samson. Which is weird because, you know, back in 2007, Little Samson was the poster boy for collectible games going out of control. You know, it was a like 50 to $70 cart or a complete game that turned into a hundred dollar game. And then the next month it was 130 and then it was 200 and 250, 500, 700, and then just kept going up. Like it has been the game that was like showing used to clearly illustrate what the video game market was doing. If you looked at little Samson, like the swingish is like not even swinging like our like the video game spike looks like little samson whatever little samson was doing it was the weather vane for how was spiking and now it's just like not really guys because little samson is also a game that people aren't clamoring to go out and play it's a fine game even a good game and you know back in the day it had a bunch of youtubers going have you guys seen little samson this hidden gem you should go buy it no one's doing that right now people are going back and just saying hey uh you know what games I liked as a kid? And those games don't include Little Samson for the most part. Sure. No one heard of Little Samson when they were a right. kid. That's why it's so rare. Well, it's not even so rare, but whatever. I mean, it's like, you know I, I mean. still think Little Samson is deeply overpriced. Sure. I so. mean, I think that like maybe that kind of fad kind of YouTube effect has cooled down over the past few years, but I, I do think it's definitely at least highly uncommon. You can't just go and, and, and get a card of it. Although, well, I also. 10,000 were printed at least. I also don't think that the people who are like in the like quote unquote high end of the hobby right now are really using YouTube to get their data from anymore, right? Like they're honestly, they're mostly feeding off each other. It's this weird insular bubble. But yeah, I I just, I I think there's, there's not a lot of awareness in the current high end market uh, of all of that YouTube content. So, um, and I don't know, like, if I'm cutting off some of your later points, Tyler, but I think it's it's fascinating right now uh, because there's these two very disparate groups right now snapping up video games, right? You have people who are stuck at home and they want something to do, so they're, you know, turning to their indoor sports, which are, you know, video games. Like, there's no sports or anything, so what are they going to do? Like, a lot of it is reverting back to nostalgia items, uh, nostalgia game playing, which is basically how collectors 
got into it, right? That's how we all kind of started. Like, oh, what were the games I like to play? I'll go buy those. And then, you know, you learn more and you, you get the bug and then, you, then you're trying to buy a f-ing little Samson, um, <laughs> right? Instead of just being like, Will Samson, who cares? Let me just buy this Mega Man 2 because it's awesome. You know, maybe Little Samson's a bad example there because, like I said, it's a fine game. But, you know, it, you get into this mindset. But then there, you also have these investors who are kind of, they're in the same world. I, the investor world is still at that same point. They're like, we should snap up all the games that people love and would and would buy because those are the ones people are really going to come and pay for. So they're still like in this novice nostalgia area uh, of game collecting, you know, and at least I'm buying habits. It's not that, not that they're not bright people or anything, but they're just going after the stuff that, you know, people just walking into the hobby would also want, uh, as we all did. So I think it's funny that, you know, the sit at homes right now and, uh, the high end collectors are, are fighting each other a little bit and causing <laughs> to go up. Mm-hmm. So, Everyone's fighting uh, each other right now, Johnny. Well, I mean, that's someone tr- please just send me some games. I need my fix. We're stop e-begging. We've already got complaints. <laughs> yeah, Tyler. We, yeah, we talk about a hypothetical that's not happening. One time, we're a bunch of e-beggars, and now Tyler's like, "Send me free games." <laughs> I didn't say send me free games. Just sell me yeah, stuff yeah. I want. Oh, okay. Please. See, we're always willing to pay money. That's but people. A couple of people have sent me stuff, and I'm always like, uh, "Please, can I pay you?" And they're like, "No, I want to send it because I like the podcast." And I'm always like. <sighs> Uh, it feels weird. I mean, it's like, thank you so much. And I, I do seriously appreciate it, but it also always feels weird. I'm, I'm always like, uh, uh. I haggled, uh, I haggled up a couple days ago. I heard with that is ridiculous. You are it's, a ridiculous human being. Uh, yeah, I never SMT... want to hear you criticize me for a price <laughs> I paid on anything ever again in my life. No, this is like classic Tyler though. Uh, a price was offered to him and he's like, no, that's too low. Let me pay it. That's, that's a nice thing though. No, I'm I'm still just bitter about that time he railed me for paying like ten dollars over market for that Star Wars Famicom <laughs> game. Uh, yeah, you know it's weird because I I'm still like yeah you paid ten dollars too much but I wish I had paid ten dollars too much for that copy because I picked it up and looked at it. Yeah, I still haven't bought it yet, and I'm like that's a cute little card. Now you probably I like can't you can't buy things from Japan anymore. I, People have like packages stuck in limbo. Yep, yeah. I, I just bought not just European Japan though. Games. Like it took me, I bought a bunch of cables, like um, SCART cables from uh, Retro Gaming Cables in the UK, and I probably ordered those three months ago, and they got here yesterday. Oh man, yeah. Uh, oh, but you should finish. You should say what you did to SNK Two D Forever, and we should all also say thank you because he's always super nice to us. I mean, his prize. I bought like eight complete. NES games or something from him, and he offered like one ten. I, I didn't even look up the games. It was probably at least half price, and and I said that's too low, and I haggled up to one twenty five. And you know what? I'm gonna take the second offer. Uh, I'll, I'll post it. He's too nice. I don't know. Yeah, we. Have, I already. I, I notified him that uh, collectively, as the official podcast stance is that he is too nice. <laughs> well, at least he's too nice to us. Uh, you know, uh, he's he's got a lot of good stuff. He, you know. He knows a lot. He's got a really good feed. If you if you aren't looking at what he's posting, you're doing yourself a disservice if you listen to this podcast. Anyways, guys, let's let's talk more about this. What what else is going on in this world? You've got a bunch of examples here, Tyler, and I'd like to to run through some more. Okay, uh, another really big effect is RPGs are all up, especially loose. 
one of the the weirdest ones on the list is Final Fantasy III Complete in Box went down. And that might just be natural market swinging. It went from about 150 to about 130. That is very strange. Especially with all the hype on Final Fantasy right now. Yeah, but loose carts went from 41 to 56 because people just want to play it. And the same thing with um, uh, Super Mario RPG up about 30%. Chrono Trigger up 20, 25%. The weird thing, and not maybe not weird, NES RPGs are not up. Dragon Warrior games and Final Fantasy, those are pretty much flat. So, I think it's those those snooty millennials who think they're too good for 8-bit games and don't want to go back to 8-bit RPGs, but are totally fine going back to Super Nintendo. Well, I mean, there's also, I mean, when you think about, you know, RPGs and you think about pixel RPGs, Sure, you know Dragon Warrior and you know Final Fantasy, but you think of Final Fantasy 3 and you think of Chrono Trigger, you think of the Super R- Super Nintendo RPG base first. And like when I started collecting, RPGs were my thing and that was and like RPGs as we kind of talked about uh in chat, like that was like one of the first like uh kind of expensive games. RPGs were like more expensive people were holding on to those or they were selling them and they knew people still wanted to buy them even though video game collecting in 2004 people you know it wasn't really a thing as much uh and now people come back picking up rpgs you know if their first thought is probably you know super nintendo 16 bit the heyday of rpgs though i think you could make a legitimate case for for ps1 as well though uh ps1 rpgs don't age the sprite-based ones are fine, but 3D stuff on PS1 does not age as well as 16-bit sprites. Well, and aging is sort of what I was going to talk about for NES, and, and because you know, I I would venture to say that NES RPGs are less playable generally than SNES RPGs. You know, because especially once you get away from the big franchises like Dragon Warrior and Final Fantasy, when you're talking about like the RPGs that were modeled after like early PC RPGs, which were not particularly playable in the first place. And uh, so, you know, I think Super Nintendo is is really the the bread and butter where you know RPGs got more palatable to a general audience, right? One of my pickups this week was uh, Wizardry, the first Wizardry for Apple II. Stopping. Nice. That doesn't make it playable. That no, makes you weird. Wizardry sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Wizardry is I terrible. Wizardry. Like, it's important. Don't get me wrong. Like, so many people, like the creators of Dragon Warrior, cite Wizardry directly as their like direct inspiration for their franchise. So absolutely, like... 100% that is an important RPG, but a lot of important games do not age well. It's weird. For Final Fantasy, you know, it's actually pretty hard to play the first Final Fantasy outside of, um, you know, like Game Boy. There's not like, you know, some people who are getting into this and want to play on like original hardware if they don't have NES, like Super Nintendo is a little more forgiving. Just like if you're looking at uh, virtual virtual stuff it's easier to get a hold of a final fantasy 3 because they're in collections final fantasy 1 is a harder game to get so is dragon warrior so i wonder if that like not being as easily accessible virtual which would have had these the ability for these people to play them and maybe want to own now like it's those games were just less accessible so i wonder if that kind of affected it at all part of it for me too not wanting to go back to that early is that you know i was on the cusp as for from like an age demographic perspective where i was 
attempting i got final fantasy one for um for a birthday or christmas from my grandfather i was on an age cusp to where i just couldn't i couldn't really get it and so like i have this like negative connotation in my head like i think back to those like super super frustrating attempts where i was just not old enough to get uh to just understand the 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 premise and so uh so that really still just like nostalgia in a positive way affects me as an adult that uh affects me in a negative way when i think about final fantasy i have no love for final fantasy one because of those really frustrating experiences when i was a kid Maybe it's like a, a Mario Kart thing where people say that the first Mario Kart you play is your favorite. Maybe the first era of RPGs where you kind of get it is your favorite. Because I, I bet I could find so many people my age who think PS1 has the best RPGs of any generation. Oh, well, sure. I, well, I think you could make a case that PS1 does. Like, I think I think 16-bit going into PS1 is the golden era. But I also have another theory on Final Fantasy, and I, I was kind of researching it here a little bit. So especially Final Fantasy 1, because like the NES is not, because there are also multiple versions of these games available on different consoles and platforms, Final Fantasy 1 on NES, and Dragon Warrior especially, you do not want to play the original Dragon Warrior cart. It's awful. Final Fantasy 1 isn't great. It's really slow, and you can play a better version, right? Final Fantasy 3, same thing. You can play a much better version on Game Boy Advance. So... If you get the Game Boy Advance version, like in February, Tyler, it was $56 complete in box, and now it's $78 complete in box on GBA. Oh, damn. It went up on GBA and down yeah. on SNES. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, because, uh, I mean, this is following in line with our thinking, right? If people are buying to play right now, they're probably looking for the most playable versions. And that's like what I was saying, like, before that it's not as easily accessible and people are playing other versions and that had me like, Oh, I should go check this out then. And, uh, yeah. So it, it did tick up on GBA. What so, about, um, Chrono Trigger DS? I'm curious about that. Um, you know, I wonder because you can also play that on your iPhone and your, right. and your Apple but TV. DS is, is a hundred percent better than, than the original SNES cartridge from a playability standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Like the original dragon warrior, like if you play the 16 bit one, um, yeah. Chrono trigger in February went from a $42 DS game to a $56. Uh, this is, it's so funny. Cause I, I just think of it as like this $10 sealed game. There are so many copies of yeah. Chrono trigger, especially well, if you don't need that first print. Yeah. You got to get that first print with the map. Yeah. Yeah. The, the poster. The poster. That's a great poster. Yeah. 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 So there, there's your collector's tip. If you're looking for it, make sure you pay the little extra money and get the one with the poster in there. And I think yeah. that, does that only say that on the, it's a sticker on the seal, Yeah, it's right? on the cellophane. So if yeah. you're buying sealed, you can tell. Yeah. If not, um, you got to like look through the contents. I know because I like, I think I cut that little sticker off the cellophane and, and stuck it in my box because I think I cared about that. Johnny, I, I opened a sealed game last week and I put the cellophane into the box. I felt like such an idiot. Nice. Uh, there people nothing do on the cellophane. Nothing on it. Yeah, you it just was like a big box PC game, like n- worth nothing sealed. Well, you had. I mean, it was a big box PC game, so you had a lot of room. So uh, yeah, yeah. It, so in the box, it didn't even have a manual. It was just a jewel case. I was oh really God. disappointed that I opened it. It was so stupid. There's nothing in it. Not just an empty box. It was like a limited run games release on PC, like my Night Trap. Just nothing. So, 
Uh, oh, yeah, we got some limited run stuff to talk about. Just something that's going on. We're not like really here to condemn them. Just if people haven't heard the news uh, with some of the stuff that they've they've posted. I think it's worthwhile to post the information. I guess I'll just say it real quick. I'm not going to dance around. So um, Streets of Rage is going to be released by them for and, you know, they have a Stefan can we'll talk to their contracting in a second here, but. They released it, or they are releasing it. You know, they did their pre-order thing, and then another developer also had the rights and is doing a retail release, which kind of caused a storm. But they came in, I, and they did what I think is the right thing. They said, "Look, if you're unhappy with with the one you bought and you want this other version, uh, we'll accept order cancellations right now for you." So uh, I thought that was a nice touch on their part because I don't always agree with how they do business, but um, yeah, they said, you know, if you really have a problem with this. Um, you know, what, what's, uh, we'll take care of it. So that was uh, a kudos point for me. I, I when people do the right thing, I like to call it out as, as much as I like to call out the wrong thing. Stephanie, you want to just mention what's up with our contract? Yeah. Yeah. And I did, I think I, I, I think I mentioned this as early as, as, as last episode, but yeah, uh, limited run the way that they do their contracts. And this isn't, they're totally up above board with this. This isn't some shady cloak and dagger thing. It's just, um, something that people don't necessarily know unless they, uh, listen to interviews with Doug or something like that. But, uh, they contractually write it so that the developer or publisher, whoever they're working with is able to do subsequent runs of a game as long as they change the cover art so that it's a different variant of the game. So uh, in this case, you know, they're doing two copies, or the developer is doing an, another run of, of uh, Streets of Rage 4, um, and that's that's happened before. And in fact, uh, Limited Run has done additional runs of a game, and it's escaping my memory right now, but, but they did a game with another limited publisher, um, oh, it's Psychonauts. They did another release of Psychonauts with a a different publisher, and so yeah, that's that's a case where Limited Run did another run with a cover variant. Yeah, guys, buy it because you like it. Don't buy it because you think it's gonna be the only version of this game that exists. Because guess what? Psychonauts has existed before, and when PS Five comes out, Psychonauts is going to exist again. Yeah, buy yeah. like I bought that Psychonauts. Why? Because I like Psychonauts. That's not uh, yeah. I like. Uh, I like Psychonauts a lot. I like Double Fine a lot. So, like, that's why I bought it. So, um, and, Tim Schafer and, could on a plate, and I would buy uh, it. Probably. Like, that's just... like, sadly, that oh, might be uh, true. Stacking? Oh, come on. <laughs> I would say the same about Costume Quest too. I don't like a lot of Tim Schafer. You don't like? You don't? I like Costume Quest, but I, I didn't like Costume Quest two as much. Anyways, we're. Uh, I took us well away from our topic. Let's uh, circle back to that. So, uh, yeah, playable games that people want going up RPGs going up and you should look out for the most playable version because they're going up like final fantasy one Tyler, the PSP version, which I think is the best version of final fantasy in February was $10 and it rose to $13 on the PSP. It's like a very cheap game, but even it saw, you know, a significant percentage wise uh, chunk of movement. Is that game really $10? I got to make sure I have that. It's because uh, uh, I did at one point I need to make sure I still do because it's like my favorite box art. Yeah, you know what's funny about that box art is I didn't know that there was a second like that face, the face of the guy. I didn't understand that that's what all that blue muck was. What? Uh, <laughs> I didn't like. I I thought like like where it says Final Fantasy and you see the guy like in the lettering. And I thought it was just, like blue. 
paint like I thought it was abstract. I didn't realize it was actually a thing because it's like, uh, you know, a negative image. I didn't understand it I was sure looking is. at a thing. I didn't understand I was looking at a thing. That That's like a funny... That, that happened a while ago. I was like, oh, that's a... like." And I've owned this game, and I, I say this is the best version of Final Fantasy. Owned it for a long time, and I picked it up, and I was like, that's a face. This is a guy. It reminds me of uh, that part in Mallrats where the guy finally sees the... When do I get yeah, to see yeah. the sailboat? Oh, yeah, yeah exa- <laughs> it's exactly that moment. So, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Uh, I go, so, oh, okay. And th- that references to magic eye puzzles. Yes. By the way, thank very you. Nice. I haven't I haven't seen Mallrats. I'm I'm gonna play the Jay and Silent Bob uh, game tonight, and I'm not gonna get any of the references because I've only seen the Clerks movies. You should you should uh, Mallrats is watch Mallrats is good. Yeah, Mallrats Mal- is I, solid. Yeah. yeah, I think Mallrats is actually my favorite. People like Clone Wars, I guess. Uh, Rebels was interesting. I like Rogue One, uh, but let's not go any further than that. So collectible games. Yeah. Um, just to give some examples. Uh, also, uh, I was going to say, speaking of PSP, I only looked at Nintendo platforms when I was pulling out price data because the concept of like Sega and Sony and all that did not even occur to me because I've been so Nintendo focused for the past few months. Uh, I think in well, general... The I high-end look... game rooms have been like hyper-focused on that, but they are starting to branch out now. You're starting to see different stuff from them, finally. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, like, most of the, like, Genesis and PlayStation, like, some PlayStation stuff is is going pretty crazy right now, but uh, most of it has also ticked up with the general uptick and everything. It hasn't been as flat as, like, uh, NES. Well, here, I'll give you you a Genesis one. Sonic 2, March, uh, or February, $8. Now... $15. $15. It almost doubled in price. Whoa. I was going to wow. say that's a bad example because there are way, way too many so copies many. of Sonic 2, but it's still doubled. Yeah. It, well, the way cart... too many copies of Sonic 1, and you saw what happened there. Yeah. <sighs> the cart went from $250 to uh, $7.30. So, like, it, like, <laughs> it tripled there. So, like, or 200% increase. So, like. Who who are you people that have a Sega Genesis and don't have Sonic 2? Like, how did you understand. not like, I have a couple of Sonic 2s by accident. Like, I find them in the garage. I'm like, oh, another Sonic. Weird. How did I get this one? Tyler, people are paying $8,000 for sealed copies of Spider-Man on the 2600. That is a 9, thing that's happening right now. But, yeah. Is I it? 9,000? I think it was 9,000. Jesus it Christ. Uh, but How can you ever be surprised again at anything? Title. So, so, what are you going to do? T- Tell us some other big movement. Like, talk about N64. We talked about GameCube. We've talked about NES. Well, I've been trying to transition to N64 with, with this collectible thing. because uh, Wait. N64. We're cutting this out. It's going to be a great transition starting right back there. Sculptor's cut. Guys, everyone got their uh, their stimulus checks. They're ready to, to get that prize piece for the collection. Complete in box sculptor's cut. Completely flat. Same exact price. Uh, carts ticked up 15%. Every single other cartridge we looked at on N64 up at least 30%. Mario Party, Mario Party 2, Paper Mario, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Mario Kart 64, GoldenEye. Mario Kart 64 up 67%, $30 to $50. Do you know why? Because Sculptor's Is... Cut sucks. It yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, the assumption there that people are buying Sculptor's Cut to play? Uh, I think... What? People should not. Yeah, no. I think Tyler was saying because stimulus checks came out, maybe some people went to finish off their sculptors like their okay. sixty four collection, that. but they did not because 
that game is garbage and they maybe already had it or it's still too expensive. Who knows? Although I do have to say 460 for a loose sculptor's cut seems very high. But, yeah, uh, you know, N64 is N64. I mean, like, going, uh, we have the all these percentage tick up and downs with, uh, like, different shades of green based on how much it is. And 15% is a very light shade of green. But going up 15% in, like, three months is still a huge jump. A huge. It's, that yeah, is how huge. weird this market is right now. Yeah, we're like, 15%, no big deal. Even though, like, 15% gains in three months is, like, incredible. Yeah, and remember that uh, that definition of... Uh, the definition of a collectible is something that sells for more than it's sold for, more than its original price. A lot of these N64 games have just become collectibles. Uh, Ocarina of Time for 75 average, GoldenEye 70 average. These are uh, pricey, common games. Yeah, it's uh, like the idea that GoldenEye has now hit like a $70 status as a complete box game is crazy to me because it was always like 15 bucks, you know, 15, 20 bucks. In, in my brain, that's where it'll always sit. That seems low for a complete box game. Like, I feel like... It... I mean, I haven't looked at N64 in a long time. Like when I used to, when I was like buying and flipping games, like I remember like GoldenEye, I'd get like seven bucks for it. So my barometer for that kind of like resale thing is, is so far off because I was doing it in like the mid 2000s. Yeah, well, I mean, the last time I was like really looking at N64 was uh, quite a while ago. Not that yep, long same. ago, but a long time ago. All right, All right guys. so N64, uh, we made it ready? through it. Yeah, main course, GameCube games. Let's start with the collectible ones. We got Wind Waker Master Quest, which uh, I only picked this because Wind Waker Metroid Prime hadn't had any significant sales since coronavirus started. Wind Waker Master Quest, uh, completely flat, 85 to 82. Cubivore, 270 to 280, completely flat. Gotcha Force, 270 to 300, up 11%. Fire Emblem Path of Radiance, which is kind of in between like a collectible and a playable because it's it's a game that people buy to play, but it's way too expensive considering how common it is. It's up 18%. Every other GameCube game that, like, Nintendo published or anything close to popular is up 25 to, like, 100%. Did you look at Metroid Prime? Because I don't see that on the list. So, I, go look it up right now. I didn't put it on the list because, in my mind, Metroid Prime is, like, a $5 game, but I don't yeah. even know anymore. Yeah, Metroid um, Prime is, you know, not a big mover normally. Yeah. Which is common. why it would be interesting if it's up, like, 400%. Smash wow. Brothers Melee, 25%. Super Mario Sunshine, up 36%. I saw a sale for $110 for a complete-in-box Super Mario Sunshine. Paper Mario, up 42%. Ultimate Muscle? All right, Ultimate we'll, we'll talk about this, too. Ultimate Muscle, up 50%. Uh, Twilight Princess, Mario Kart, uh, Animal Crossing, all up 50%. And then Spirits and Spells, up 250% from $50 to $170. What, what is going on with sales but it's not, over that's 200 That's not a play. Okay. I, but it must be like I looked at the sales for Spirits and Spells and people are still buying it at this price. It's not like one or two. It's like enough sales that I'm confused. At who the hell is buying Spirits and Spells? It's You can also buy a version on the PS2, the European version. It's called Castleween. Uh, this is like we're we're in my Castle wheelhouse. Castle the one to have. Yeah, <laughs> much cooler name. Um, or much worse name. I meant uh, spirits and spells. Good name. Uh, and what? Oh, but I love it's very Castle. cartoony. I like Castlevania too, but spirits and spells like that sounds awesome. It, like you want a cooler game than you're getting uh, with a title like that. But um, 
yeah, what's going on? I don't know. There is some like weird movement there. I don't know what's going on. So if someone knows what the hell people are doing with spirits and spells, are people playing this? Did this become the ultra hot collectible? It, there's plenty of stock available, it seems like, because it's selling consistently. So what is going on? The GameCube is a weird system. I thought maybe there'd be like a uh, like a recent pickups video or something on YouTube for it, but there hasn't been either. Well, Spirits and Spells is rare on GBA, right? Yeah, it is very hard to find. And G- GBA is such a weird system. Like one day we'll talk in depth about how GBA is like the weirdest system I've ever seen. It, it's so strange and nonsensical. It confusing system. But yes, Spirits and Spells is not easy to find complete and it is typically expensive. Like over a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, we, we've seen this with uh, that's really weird. <laughs> that the GameCube version is selling for as much as the rare GBA version. But yeah. uh, we've seen like games that get boosts via association. And this one just seems to have gotten an instant boost, even though it is nowhere near rare. Uh, there are a bunch of copies of it on eBay, but I'm going to introduce a third category here. So we have the collectible stuff, which is either flat or has ticked up slightly. We have, you know, the first party Nintendo type stuff, which is going crazy right now. And then we have kind of these, instant superstar uncommon games like spirits and spells and ultimate muscle and uh there were all those racing games like groove rider and what a street racer there was something with like city, a racer. Name, city racer city like, racer like all those went from like in the past six months from like five dollars to 150 dollars kind of overnight and it's this yeah. is just another one of those games that did that groove rider i paid ten dollars for less than six months ago i'm like, proud of you Oh, I, no, I'm just I, saying, like... Yeah, he's he's illustrating a point not showing off. Yeah, well, I mean, he is the prophet. Yeah. So here's Metroid Prime's data, just so you guys know. Went from a $15 complete to a $23 complete game on GameCube. That's a lot of movement. That's a big swing. That is a percentage. lot of movement for, for a common game that never moves. Right, which has multiple versions, was a pack-in, like, about... Look, it, it's probably the best game, I think, on the GameCube... So, I mean, that's great that it's super accessible, you know, but uh, that also means there's a ton of them available. And you've got, like, the Metroid Prime Trilogy. Like, there's other ways to get this game. Yep. And there's a player's choice. Like, there's so many versions of Metroid. So for it to swing, you know, like, get, like, a 50% bump is is crazy. In three months? Wow. Wow. And then uh, just to just to pick another console out, just the last console that's real exciting, the Wii. Wii Sports up 100%, $15 to $30. Uh, if you guys have a stack of Wii Sports, is probably the time to sell because I think there's 100 million copies of that game. Uh, I don't Dude, think... so funny. I've been wrong. You know, I've been wrong a lot about video game prices. It, it, saying it can't get any higher is is nonsense. People are paying $250 for uh, Ring Fit Adventure. I thought that game was going to the clearance bin. Um, but man, there sto- I my local store, I mean, every time I went in there, it has a stack of Wii Sports. Yeah, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know where the explosion on Wii Sports happened. But uh, yeah, it is. Like, I remember hearing some guys laugh that someone was asking for like $20 for a Wii Sports. And now that's less than market value. Oh, and that was like, at, like three $15. months ago. I know. Like I'm like, who the hell is another one of those sports? games like Sonic two, where it's like, what are you doing with this console? If you don't have this game, right? And I guess the one thing Wii sports has going for it is it comes in that stupid cardboard case. That is so easy to lose. 
Yeah. But if you wanted the disc to play it, you could find it. I just want to say, I bought a sealed Wii Sports last year for like $20, and you guys laughed at me. And look at me now. You're a genius. I've got the mint copy of Wii Sports. I'm probably the only person who has one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not a lot of people bought the regular version, so... What are you gonna I've do? got the no, I've got the pack inversion. I don't have the the regular version. I want the regular version, but now is a bad time to buy it. Yeah, which is maybe a point we'll get to in as a conclusion here. All right. So, any anything else you want? Should we should we talk about the big daddy of them all? Should we, should we get into that, or do you want to make some other points first? Is the big daddy of them all the last one on this list? Uh, probably. Yeah. Uh, no, we can we can get into the big daddy of them all. I, I wasn't even gonna look this oh. up, and then someone told me how much money they were making selling them, and I'm like, wow, we should talk about that on the show. Yeah, the, these are always crazy because it's the last of a generation. We've talked about this phenomenon before. The, so this actually has a lot going because people also want to play this game. This is kind of yep. like the best of all worlds here. Well, and that's why people were buying these specific types of games to begin with. Um, the end of life for these kind because there's like a college a college sports ones that that do this, and uh, it was like a Madden that did this too, or a, an NBA game. I can't remember. I'm at the edge of my seat, Johnny. What's the game? NCA football 14 Whoa. the Xbox 360 it went from $65 to 150 so it's got a hundred I'm sorry what yeah <laughs> well it's Stefan if you've ever been on this podcast before where we've talked about this uh so a lot <laughs> a lot of these games are the last version of like the NCA games so there's like a football one a basketball one uh there's some hockey games that this have happened with so it's like like a lot of it we talked about and speculated is like before microtransactions became the thing in the types of games too. So they are the most playable copy of that type of game. And you got a lot of people who enjoy these games. That's why they can make uh, it yearly and it makes a ton of money. And then there's $2 after that. But yeah, these sports games, this is like the end of life one. this NCAA 14 was like one of the last ones. And it's on the 360, which is still a very playable console. Like, you can play it in your Xbox One, and people are playing it. This is not the only sports game to have this phenomenon. So you could look around and, and see the same thing. And it does fall right in line with our theory of uh, collective, uh, games that people want to play. I wish we uh, wish we should have taken some time out. I, I would have liked to have looked at any other 360 games that like had seen a big spike or anything. Well, good thing we came prepared to the show. Yeah, Do you want to well, pause and look at this live? No, no, no. We can we can keep talking. Let's talk about the big GameCube sales that make me want to vomit in my mouth. Uh, uh, the, du- <laughs> the duo pack. Uh, the, the the Super Monkey Ball Sonic Heroes Player's Choice box set piece of cardboard. Yeah, because. The games on their own are exactly the same as regular player's choice versions, but when they come bundled up in this sick cardboard box that goes around them, one sold sealed for $6,101, and then immediately afterwards, one sold for $6,100 that had like a dime-sized kind of chunk out of it in the top. And when he says immediate, it was the next day, the next day that sold. And then even after that, there was one that got listed up and then taken down. So it got probably got sold via a private deal. So three of them just sold. Probably yeah. the third one, I'm guessing, also went for some ridiculous thousands of dollars number. Yeah. So I got asked a, in a few DMs, 
because we had an episode on double packs, why we didn't talk about this one because we talked about it. One, we didn't talk about all the double packs. Two, we were talking about interesting ones. This, like, these are expensive, but not particularly interesting. As Tyler just said, they are just player's choice games. They're, there's also uh, another two pack, because now let's let's talk about there's the a Sonic two pack, more interesting than this one. And then there's a Monkey Ball by itself. Uh, two pack and then this is uh, a sonic and monkey ball this is the duo this one specifically says duo pack on the side and it's bright yellow so there's a blue one a green one a yellow one they're speculated to be uh, gamestop releases the cardboard's pretty flimsy they are just standard players choices they don't say not for resale on the back of them or anything like this it's uh they're not very interesting so and i i didn't want to like Sometimes we can have the effect of driving up hype or on something like that. And I did not want to do that. And uh, like you can ask Stefan has uh, has asked to talk about this before because it's the one we were both missing. And I'm like, I don't want to talk about this stupid game. People are going to think it's important and then want to it. And it's not like this is it's a crazy price to pay six thousand uh, dollars. Tyler, what are some things you could spend six thousand dollars on? Because we wanted to talk about that in the show. Like, like what in your collection? Anything? Yeah. What in your collection? Like almost the, like you could have got a stadium events in the last heritage auctions. The one with the face cut out. I think that was about the price it went for. I, uh, I just recently paid half of that for an unreleased earthbound prototype. Let that sink Uh, in. Oh my Um, God. So Tyler, I want to just look around in my office and I'm going to tell you all the things that I've paid (laughs) more for than that monkey ball. Oh, zero items. (laughs) Zero. (laughs) Hey, that Blockbuster competition card? Nope. Um, let's see. New Leaf? No. Oh, how about the Fantasia from from Disneyland, which was in the House of the Future? Nope, not that one. What uh, does a sealed Legend of Zelda go for on NES? Because Reserved Investments always says it's like five to 7000 and the, like, what? Like, Legend of Zelda, I'm not one for like thousand x sealed multipliers but if you're gonna buy one it's yeah i just don't get it like if it had anything else going for it if it was like a nintendo game if it wasn't a budget label well i mean all it has going for it is rarity it's a third party bundle well and we don't know exactly how rare it is too right like people haven't been that interested they've been a couple hundred dollars like i've seen them sell for three hundred dollars i look it's one right. i've needed so i track the sale like i didn't buy one when it was five hundred dollars because i was like i'm not paying five hundred dollars for this stupid thing that's too much money for this thing that isn't that interesting um and now i have to apologize to stefan because there was one for like two thousand dollars and i said stefan don't buy that piece of garbage you no did one's gonna pay. you did tell me not i to buy did that piece I, of shit. I, <laughs> I did i'm apologizing to you who <laughs> I didn't know you're the video game prophet. You should have bought it and told me just like, no, Johnny, let me show you the way. No, that's fair. That's fair. It is my fault that I did not, uh, I did not foresee this. Yeah. So, I mean, I, uh, like I did, I apologize. That was who knew that that would have been a fine thing to buy for $2,000. That seems insane. We were were laughing at this when it was like $4,000. It was $4,000 when I first posted it in our like internal chant. And it was like, guys, this is fucking the same auction. Just to be clear, we're talking about the same auction earlier. Yeah. And then it just like started to chunk up in like increments of like 500. And I'm like, and that was like, it was like $4,000, like nine days before the auction ended. So not only are people overpaying for this, but the people who are overpaying for this do not know how to use eBay. Well, the the one that did eventually win was a snipe bid that was put in the last two seconds. I was watching it live, 
And as far as I know, the first copy went to a super hardcore GameCube collector, which I think they probably know it's quote unquote super overpriced, but it was a nice copy and they were willing to pay anything for it. The one that's even more confusing because is the second copy that's sold by it now, because to some extent, if you think like this is the coolest thing ever for some reason, and you want to have the best version in the world, and I don't know if this was the best version in the world, but it seemed pretty nice. You know, the sky's the limit in what you want to pay for it if you can't find another one that's yeah. nicer. But the second one that sold for the same exact price was a f***ed up copy. Like, what, did was he FOMOing that there wasn't going to be another one of these to show up for $6,000? Yes, that is exactly <laughs> So ridiculous. Happened. It is ridiculous, but that's totally what happened. I would not be shocked if it was the underbidder. I'm I'm sure it was. Who else could it have been? Like no, how could you invest in this? So I wanna I wanna make a comparison here because guys, video games have have you heard comic people are are getting into video games. I think we can agree that because of a variety of circumstances, besides being sealed, this game has this bug bundle set has nothing going for it except pure rarity. Yep. The rarest DC comic book, as far as is like hyped and and everyone says is Adventure Comics 26. It's a book from the late 1930s, I think, and it's worth about $7,000. The rarest one! that has, it, Like, no one wants new Adventure Comics 26, but it's the rarest one, and it's worth $7,000. And this GameCube game just sold for $7,000 well, or $6,000. It's a little different, though, because still, video game collecting has not evolved to the point of comic book collecting comic book collecting still all about keys not about sets like people don't really the idea of set collecting in comics is uh is a dying or dead thing right where in video game it still is like look i i've told people like i was going to pay what i thought was stupid money like between three and four hundred dollars for this thing once upon a time it was on my list it was the last big box i needed uh, I'm still never paying 6000 just because I, I think there's other things to buy. Uh, you know, also, we, we should point out uh, $6,000 for me to drop on a GameCube thing seems ludicrous. But if you have much more money than me, uh, maybe that just seems fine. Like, that that's the other thing, right? Like, my bankroll is not the same as everybody else's bankroll. I know some people look at me and say, Johnny, you spent a crazy amount of money. And then I watch people buy a sealed game for, like, my yearly budget on games. So... Uh, you know, we're all in different places economically, so uh, it, it could I, also be that, right? I just want to go back to your set thing because it's so easy to ignore this if even if you are collecting the GameCube set. And I, I yeah, it's I have easy. to imagine that's going to be the pr opinion that prevails over time because I know, especially from this generation and onwards, you can like go onto Google and find like gas stations that just put. Uh, three Xbox 360 games in a blister pack and they're selling it as a box set. It'll just have like the name of some gas station in Missouri on it. Like, does that count? Cause like if this was a GameStop set, how is a GameStop set something that's more prestigious than a gas station blister pack? Well, I mean, it was a specific two pack released to GameStop specifically. I don't think it was packaged by GameStop. It's not like the we target. Got to get on the levels. This might be the next episode. All the different levels of how sets work, Johnny. It does well, have its own UPC code. I'm looking at one of them. Yeah, them, not it, the, it the does. Duo, but I'm looking at another box set, and it does yeah, have its own UPC. Yeah, no, it it is its own product, right? So, which means it had to go through. Um, you know, people always say, "What's the difference?" And like I, I've said this before, but you know, to get a product released on store shelves isn't 
isn't just like slap a, a UPC on it. There, there's vetting. There are certain things that need to happen. ESRB, like there, the difference from selling like a catalog item, like the uh, like the competition carts being sold through Nintendo, even um, you know on Saturn, um, you know Circuit, uh, Netlink. God, what is it? Uh, what's the game? Uh, Daytona, Daytona USA, yeah, Daytona USA Netlink Edition. Like those, even though they are kind of retail copies because they sold, they didn't go through the full retail process. So there, there's a, definitely a delineation there, legally, and how games are released. But we'll we will get into uh, into set collecting on the next episode because I I got some thoughts on on that, and I I want us to kind of just talk through some of that there's no like right or wrong answers i just want to explore the idea of set collecting on the next episode so right. um yeah tyler but i i'm i'm kind of with you like this it is very ignorable right also it's a player's choice it's not like a non-player's choice copies in a big box and most people like just ignore the ignore the player's choice copies so even if you could say i have all the standard release big box games and uh, the standard release set if you wanted to get into that, right? If you wanted to to, to dice it up, which people will do. And these are player's choice games. Super yeah, easy I, to ignore. I, I have been slacking on my player's choice. I don't have, like, I have all the black labels, but I don't have all the all the player's choice. Yep. So I just want to say, uh, I, Super Nintendo found a uh, Platinum Hits GTA double pack. I don't know if it's of a similar rarity. I would in terms of copies I've seen, I would say it's of a similar rarity to the Super Monkey Ball thing. And so it's with a store owner that he knows, and he put in an offer for me of $100. And I'm like, that sounds great, because I am not going to pay Super Monkey Ball prices for it. And GTA 3 and Vice City are both more important and probably much more beloved games than Monkey Ball and Sonic Heroes. But they're on Xbox. It doesn't say Nintendo on it, so eh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Did you get it? Uh, I don't know yet. I'm assuming no. Oh. But it's fine. I've, I've honestly, I've given up on it. But I am happy that if I ever do get it, I can still give up on the Xbox Platinum Hits set because uh, news for anyone in the Xbox world who hasn't noticed yet, uh, there is an NBA Ballers Platinum Hits variant uh, found by the Pirate Pimp who has the only known copy in the Xbox world, which is pretty cool. Um, Guys, just to bring us back to Xbox 360, I wanted to see what was going on with that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I look too. Yeah, uh, eight or uh, yeah, like eight dollars in February, uh, average for the average game, twelve dollars now. And just to kind of reillustrate that sports phenomenon thing I was talking about, NCA basketball on the 360 back in February. Again, this is another one of these college basketball games that was was forty dollars, and now it's up to eighty dollars. And then college hoops, which is like the last of the college hoops. It is 2K8. This saw like a dramatic increase. It was $28 and now it's $153. So if you preferred that <sighs> franchise. So that's just, and it was like, we talked a little bit there, like this whole thing, why, why they stopped making college games and stuff. Like there was like some rights issues on, you know, uh, making my, I forget exactly how that worked out, but there was some legal stuff that happened there, which uh, kind of slowed down college sports based games from, uh, being out there uh johnny i just i just want to point uh another xbox 360 thing out i made this spreadsheet yesterday when i said ncaa 14 yeah is it's up to 100 it is up to 181 now. yeah i saw that 
There's a lot of copy selling, like yeah. a dozen a day. So maybe it's it's not as uncommon as I thought. People just really want to play it. Yeah, people like this is what people do when they want to play a thing. So uh, yeah. it's like look at Ring Fit. Ring Fit is the perfect example of the thing you like yeah. that people are using. Like people will pay for the utility I, of a I thing. I feel like Ring Fit. People can use the excuse like oh, I'll pay for this instead of my gym. Like my friend. Well, yeah. Did. But that's what I'm saying, like the utility of the item, right? That's like, it has a utility. I'm going to play this. I'm going to like, if imagine if Warcraft wasn't just a thing, like WoW wasn't a thing you could just download and you had to go find an old copy to it. Could you imagine how much Warcraft would be right now? Like, 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 like wow. Animal Crossing? If yeah. Animal Crossing was like the NES classic, how crazy yeah. would that be? Yeah, it would be just like $500 and you'd be like, well, I'm going to spend the next hundred hours of my life in it so i guess i can justify five hundred dollars like that's it's not a hundred hours it's uh it's a lot more than that i i have numerous friends including my wife who have 400 plus hours in animal crossing i have oh that's animal crossing i'm talking about wow there's like people oh, yeah. months of their lives have been consumed by this i have too many days of my life taken by that game back in the day so i mean that's what i'm saying the utility of a thing that you know you're getting enjoyment out of uh, you know, softens the blow of that price. And you really, like, you can consider if you're going to get a lot of use out of something, paying a little more for it. It's like buying a nicer knife because it's going to last longer and, you know, it's of a higher quality, won't break. You're like, I will get more utility. I can spend more money on this. People start to lay down that logic of thinking and applying it to games. I don't think they're thinking of it as, this isn't like collectible investment. This is people who are playing. So. Yeah. Anyways, what else do we got to say about this? Anything? I, I, I did want to bring up a, something that I was talking about before the show uh, and just kind of have the discussion on air um, where I was curious as to how much overlap there are in the communities right now because the high-end people are still driven by importance and those important games tend to be the more playable things. So like the, the bigger the bigger franchises. So I was just kind of curious as to like how I know Johnny had mentioned that the the two scenes are sort of fighting for the same product right now. And I was just kind of curious as to whether or not you guys think that's why. Honestly, like that kind of the people driven by importance in games, that scene is so minuscule right now compared to 12 people every single day of every single week buying NCAA 14. Sure, but I do think that there's still some, like, knock-on to that, right? Like, people are... That's why, like, I think, you know, people are finding these, like, sealed variants and, like, selling these these sealed variants or selling for a gajillion dollars, and then people are going and buying, you know, loose copies or CIB copies of those same variants uh, because of, you know, an echoing effect of those uh, sealed copies selling for so much. Like, what's a variant you're thinking of? I don't know. Anything. Anything that... Anything that sold at a high graded price and then people started buying loose copies of it like or like CIB copies of it, like Sonic 1 first print. There's Sonic, a good one. That was a, that was a mania, that Sonic 1 thing. But I, I don't know. I mean, I honestly, I don't think that the people driven by importance are having a huge impact, especially on complete and box stuff, because I think most of them care about only sealed games. So you think this a lot of this is going to come back down after the pandemic is done? Like after we're not all cooped up and not necessarily needing to like sit around and play video games. Every time a game has or this market has spiked, I feel like it never returns back to where it has before, uh, even on individual games and stuff. So I, I don't think we're going to go back to pre-pandemic prices. We might go on like since 2016, a lot of stuff has been on a slow downtick. 
maybe after this is all over it goes back onto a slow downtick or maybe the great depression too happens and that's the that brings things down but i don't even know at this rate you know what what is our unemployment rate at i i don't know i, I can't make a prediction anymore because our our prediction like a month and a half ago has been so horribly horribly wrong that, uh, we <laughs> well know to be fair like economics like we were predicting in an environment that was unprecedented like there's not i don't know it's not like we had like huge uh you know models to it, to to go by yeah. but when i when i think of people going to play video games i think like oh okay yeah everyone's gonna go and play animal crossing everyone's gonna go and play the new call of duty game everyone is gonna like go play the stuff they normally play like i wouldn't think that like Everyone's going to go home and they're all going to break out their game cubes and they're all going to go Zelda Twilight Princess. This game doesn't get the respect it deserves. It's like a top five Zelda game. We're playing some Twilight Princess. I don't care what it costs. I know like for me, I did like I like a month ago, I was like, hey, you know, I, I really never gave the DS as much of a chance as I wanted to and i think i'm gonna buy some ds games so i literally like looked at a bunch of like top 10 lists for like what should i buy and play on ds and so like that's like i bought all the the castlevania stuff and you know all the 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 really playable stuff on ds and that was a driver for me that i was just like hey i have some time to sit down with a console that i never really gave that much of a chance to and i'm gonna buy some games for it so that uh that oh my god you're buying ds games everybody go all in on ds so i was right a month ago to start buying ds stuff <laughs> well i'm already done buying ds i bought like i said i bought like like maybe 15 games and then all right like, like the castlevania games on ds i'm sorry guys if you guys have just noticed we're casually talking right now it's because johnny left i'm gonna cut out the part where he said he left because it sounded weird oh and i guess the castlevania games are almost reasonable order of ecclesia is 85 dollars that game's not even that old is it nope oh wow this game went on a journey Wow, everybody go look up the price graph of Order of Ecclesia. I'm just going to cut this out. This is a stupid thing to talk about. It went up to over $100 last summer, and then it went on a big dip down to 50 and now it's on its way back up. That is a, that's an uncommon thing for a game to do. What happened last summer? That was that the Netflix? Been, I was going to say that could have been Netflix, uh, um, or that could have been, I don't know, like a YouTube video or something. Oh, Let's yeah. Play. Guys looking at uh, Castlevania stuff? Yeah, Stefan said he bought all the Castlevania DS games we were talking about motivators for people like oh. you know buying games and i was talking about how i sort of like went on a run for ds like a month ago and i was just like you know what i didn't give this console enough of a shot and so i just like looked at a bunch of uh like top 10 lists of what i should play and i bought a bunch of games based on that and that was that's how we how we got to this current i'm curious to hear what else you bought but we can talk about that and buying and and uh, playing yeah uh johnny I'm yes, gonna sir. I'm gonna blow the lid off a game right now. Do you know about the Casper's School Scare games? Casper's Scare School games on the DS? Yeah. Yes. Okay, they're both under ten dollars, and they don't have a tracked price in like years. Do you have them? I uh, believe so. Oh, you better. Okay. Um, Making I mean, sure. I know you like that weird children's horror stuff. I love it. Um, actually, yeah, I only have uh, Spirit Dimension. I'm sorry, I have Spooky Sports Day uh, Casper for DS. I don't have the other oh, one. Oh, there's also uh, Classroom Capers. And I thought it was this rare game. It turns out it's just one of those games that you can get new old stock all day because yeah. DS is weird. 
DS is a weird system. I'm, you know, like one day we'll talk about the DS too. And like the DS set, how big and unwieldy it is. But the worst part about the DS set is not even the size. It's that people haven't fully explored it yet. So the games that people think are rare are like the stuff they're only finding one of because people aren't really selling those yet. You know, people haven't like looked, haven't rooted around to dig up the stock of this stuff. So you have games like Shepherd's Crossing, which might actually be rare and like Power Bike and stuff that are like $500 games. And it's the worst because these are the trashiest of the trash games. The whole top end of DS is littered with trash, like games you would never want to play. And, uh, it, and that shouldn't matter like in set collecting when we talk about, but it's a lot harder to motivate myself to buy a game that is that much garbage rather than, um, you know, something that's cool. Like, like, are there enough people that are legitimately like collecting every single DS game to the point where Jewel Master or whatever should be $300 compared to everything else in the set? I've been doing a so. lot more relative pricing in my head because there's a lot of games that are way way more expensive than comparable games like yeah the super monkey ball platinum choice uh, pack there are comparable things like that like the gta double pack not comparable because it's not a nintendo thing but there are other comparable things that are nowhere near that price yeah it's uh we live in a ridiculous world right now so uh, johnny um... can i uh Unless you had something else to bring up, can I uh, shoehorn a third topic into this sure, go, show? I don't know how long the show's go been. Go for going it. On. Um, 15 minutes? Yeah, whatever. Go knock yourself out. I'll, but one last thing about that Casper. There, There's a variant. There's different color carts, just so you Ooh. guys know. There's Ooh, like okay. a di different label. There's a green uh, oh, what and, if the, and a All the new one. old stock is the second print. You guys got to get that first print Casper's Scare School games on DS. It's a horror game. It's going to be like that Looney Tunes game on Game Boy Color. No, no, it's about. actually, um, there's not, there's not a, a variant of that. Oh my God. <laughs> we're just, we're, we're done talking about Casper Scare School. I just brought it up because I thought you would personally find it I just, interesting. I no one listening to the show, go in and research this game. It's not worth it. Sorry. I, I'm ruining it for you. Uh, the topic I wanted to bring up was uh, Latest Heritage Auction was the first one where they were selling Atari games. Gross. And one, you think it's gross, sure, but the prices were gross, out of control. Gross. Uh, I think we can all say gross. To the point where I'm one, like, I honestly wonder if all of these sales are fake and it's just kind of a hype machine or if it's something like uh, when Apple puts out a thousand dollar monitor stand which they know they'll get ridiculed for but they know that everyone's going to blog about it so is it something like that where all press is good press even if people know that the games aren't worth this much is very strange i don't know what that is or there's also the other possibility that people paying for this are like old white dudes uh who like... had ataris and are into atari Whereas like the rest of well, like, not to Atari, like well I'm saying, but they would have know, the I... money too. But like where other collectors, people collecting like GameCube stuff for interest, like aren't ever going to be interested in that. So you're talking about like older collectors who like aged out maybe of the collection, but now are coming back in after having done something else, and now there's kind of a new vector to go back into well, their I, hobby. I just think like there's people like buying up the sealed nest stuff and they're like paying high prices on that already. Those people are older 
than like your average collector, right? They're of an older demographic. So Atari might appeal more to them where I think the bulk of collecting had kind of looked at that at Atari and went, no, thanks pass. And they're looking at it as like, we're comic people. Oh, this is like the real good old stuff. What just like Ness. And maybe they're comparable and other collectors are like, nah, dog, Atari's gross. Don't touch it. Well, uh, yeah, and, you know, I think the people who have been in the scene for a while kind of were around when, you know, you did have liquidators for that stuff. Like Adam Harvey posted in some uh, one of the um, Facebook groups, uh, basically like a, a catalog from like the 90s, like Funko Land era sort of time where this liquidator was listing like having thousands and thousands of like sealed copies of all these Atari's 2600 games. So just like, and blowing them out for like, you know, $3 a piece or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think, I think the people who've been around long enough to know how much stock there is of Atari sealed product, uh, can't be the ones buying it. So sometimes we, I just want to say that like almost the minimum price anyone paid for a sealed Atari game was $200 on like garbage. Like what? Sometimes people will say like that basic like math. N- that's not garbage. That's amazing. Um, I'm just proving I know a launch title. So when people <laughs> say something is common, they they speak in kind of different levels. So one of the things that sold on Heritage Auctions, I think, a Zelda two sealed sold for thirty six thousand dollars, which isn't even the topic I want to talk about. But people are go around and say that game is common sealed. That's ridiculous. And by common, they don't mean like. You know, you'll you'll stumble over one in the street, but there are enough of them out there where that price kind of makes no sense. Right. Like if you if you wanted to go find one, you could. Yeah. yeah. And then there's also uh, there's plenty of NES games where they show up if if you just randomly even just look for them on eBay. They're they're easy enough to to find sealed. When I'm gonna say these Atari games are common, like Stefan said, there are distributors that still have these stacked to the ceiling in warehouses it is nothing like nes with nes one of wada's first uh pedigrees was they basically found a warehouse with a few hundred new old stock nes games if you found a warehouse with a bunch of new old stock atari 2600 games that would not be a video game pedigree and so i'm specifically mentioning this because the games that sold are all the types of games you would get from a distributor a lot of them were budget label i actually there's a atarsales.com is one of these distributor guys uh, and like more than half of the games are games that you would get from him. And they're all these dual stock games are like $10, $20. And they all sold for crazy money. Uh, Donkey Kong Jr. Another thing, people don't know the variants. So Donkey Kong Jr. is the red box variant, which is like the budget label kind of player's choice reprint. And it sold for $1,000. It is a $20 game. As soon as it sold, I bought one, which is fear of missing out. I know I shouldn't do that. But on the second hand, on the other hand, it was twenty dollars. So I guess why not? Um, Spider Man sold for nine thousand. I think we brought that up. I don't know. There's M Network Games, which is like this this third party publisher that has a ton of new old stock sealed games. Super ugly boxes, by the way. Yeah, and they're they're super ugly. Like these red box games, these like garbage reprints. Space Invaders red box twenty six hundred dollars. Like what? Not even the original print. It. These people are just clicking the bid button and assuming that the underbidder like knows what it's worth and they're just like oh, I'm going to I'm going to beat him. Yeah, I know this is a the hot thing Space Invaders. That's a hot thing. You could buy like 3 Space Invaders arcade cabinets for that. 
I, I just think like a lot of those sold on name recognition, right? Like they're just yeah. like, oh, I've heard of these before. Oh, like it, the hundred percent for Nintendo. Yeah, like you can see, like uh, the Indiana Jones got a tick up. Rampage sold for a thousand dollars. That again. Indiana Jones is like dirt common too. It has <laughs> yeah. a sweet box. Like even I know India. Like because I've like I've looked at some Atari games. I'm like, uh, I love these series as like a, a thing I love. Maybe I'll buy an Indiana Jones. Oh, I bet it's gonna cost me some money. No, no, it's like 20 bucks. Okay, never mind. Indiana Jones, fine. Maybe I'll grab that. And there's there's always the people that are saying like, oh, you guys are on Atari, but it's the real important thing. You don't understand. Like, no, Defender 2 is not a $400 game sealed. Yeah, let's talk about what happened to Smurfs, though. Smurfs is like one of my favorite Atari games, by the way. What? I guess I... it's Coleco, but... Yeah. Oh, I thought, I thought you were being serious because there was a sealed Smurf. Uh, was there a rescue in, in Garmagill's castle? Yes, there was. Yeah. How oh, it went it for a thousand dollars, Johnny. Oh man. And I, you know, it's, that's like, that was a pretty popular game. Lots of people had that game. Uh, it's got a sweet box though. Uh, it, it has a big green banner over it though. Oh, is it the banner one? Yeah. yeah the other one's better without the banner on it. Yeah. Look. So it's funny. So I don't, I, I actually can't say on the thousand dollar Smurf if that's anywhere in the realm of reality. So I know a lot of the other games are garbage because I have them. I have like half the games in the sale because when I need to, uh, when I needed to buy a complete in box Atari game, I would just go to one of these distributors and be like, Hey, give me all these $10 games. I'll just buy them sealed. <sighs> so... Uh, and then there was one single cool game. It was a Sword Quest Waterworld, which sold for like four thousand um, dollars. It was not the most expensive thing. It should have been the most expensive thing. I have no idea what a reasonable price is for it, but that's the one cool game. But uh, anyway, just uh, the, all I want to get out of this is that there's a lot of sealed Atari games. Don't invest in this. Not Why that not? I think our listeners are investing in this, but there's a bad hype train. It, it's uh super bad you gotta you gotta find like a really sad hype train whistle sound for this for the for the bad hype train yeah so the smurfs you were saying that sold it was actual smurf right not smurf saves the day uh yeah it was a rescue With the, in like, gargamel's castle yeah okay that's and that man i hate that they put that giant green banner over it so ugly. it would actually the be box pretty cool box actually, art otherwise. Yeah, like the box art is like pretty sweet, and then you. Just... Well, you know, they had. It looks like they had to put the banner over it because it was a game that was made by Coleco, but they wanted you to know it's not yeah. a ColecoVision game, guys. Yeah. It's Atari. It's not. Yeah, it's not. Uh, <laughs> we got it on Atari here, just so you know. Yeah, uh, the other one is Smurf Saves the Day, and that is, it's Smurf Rescue and Gargamel Castle, and then the other one is Smurfs. So, gotta love that. Love when games are like that. Uh, Smurfs Rescue and Gargamel's Castle is the better game, by the way, if you're curious. And uh, just so our viewers know, the, the big green banner over Smurf says, Video cartridge for use with Atari video computer system. Yeah. All right. VCS! I, so I like I don't like bringing up these sales because I, I don't want to be the kind of all, good, all news is good news kind of cheerleader for this kind of stuff, but I do want to give that warning not to go crazy for Atari stuff. And, and if you do... Don't do it on Redbox Space Invaders. Stuff that you can you can pick up for nothing. So okay, let's uh let, let's distill this into a, a couple of the salient points, uh, and then I have some questions. Unless you have more to say. All right, let me say one more thing then. Uh, I just because I remembered, 
I've, I see people talking about these sales and they're like, oh, that variant's rare. It never turns up for sale. A lot of this, like, the Atari stuff that no one wants isn't always on eBay. Like, when it's on eBay, sometimes you'll see, you know, 10 plus copies available. But a lot of it is just random weird websites or, like, guys on Atari have this stuff. Just because it's not on eBay does not make some of these games rare. All right, now go into What? Whoa. Is it because some of those people are people, they don't even know how to computers? use eBay? They were like using yeah. news groups to sell this stuff. <laughs> That's very funny to me. Um, all right, so uh, collectible games flat is your salient point. Games that people want to play, uh, ticking up. Yeah, that's the thesis of the episode. Still, we're yes. good there. The other thing, um, just I just want to get your guys's take before we said, hey. The employment rate hit 10%. That's crazy. Uh, people aren't going to keep buying games like this. Now that the economy is reopening in some places, some states are reopening. doesn't matter if we agree with that or not. This That's the reality. Do we think video game sales are going to start to trickle down? And couple that with the fact that unemployment rate hit like 14%, though. That should see a decrease as uh, more of the service industry people get back on their feet. But uh, do we do we think now that we're like hitting the summer and people are going out, whether you're allowed to or not, that that uh, game sell are, are we going to see a trickle down on on either of these types of games? The one that, uh, you know, the high end groups are buying, collectors are buying, investors are buying versus the people the that uh, got stuck in the quarantine buying zone. Actually, Tyler and I talked a little bit about this whilst you were away from the keyboard. Oh. But we can talk about it again. Um, so I think the consensus we came to, because it was really Tyler's point, was that you know when these spikes happen, we haven't necessarily seen them go back to, you know, go back to midline. You know, so yeah. so regression, but not all the it, way. Right. So the likelihood of it coming back down immediately to pre-corona prices is probably not likely as much as as like you said there may be a sort of a natural trickle but then that would also not account for the possibility of uh some crazy global economic crisis that we may or may not be on the cusp of so uh there's that right tyler what, what do you got to say about it i think if anything the market activity recently has shown that the types of people who would be returning to work are not like the service industry type people are not the people spending $70 on a GameCube Zelda game. Or at least I, I sure wouldn't if I was still working. I don't, I don't think so. Like I, I, I disagree because those are the same type of people who may have paid 50 or $60 for a GameCube game back in the day when they were buying GameCube games. So the idea of paying $70, $80 for a game maybe doesn't seem that outlandish. I don't know how much the the company the country is actually going to reopen. Like as much as you know, governors and the president and whoever might say like oh, it's okay, everybody go back to work now. I think that a lot of people who are able to are going to continue to work from home, and the types of people who are working from home are not going to the demand there isn't going to be reduced. I don't think. Uh, honestly, okay. so my in one sentence, I don't think we're going to see much different this summer, regardless of what happens. So, and I, I want to introduce just a couple of other ideas. One, what we could see is an uptick in, in new collectors. And like, we may see like some new people on Instagram. You may see some new people on forums. 
because, uh, you know, as people refine their love for this or they might be becoming collectors again, right? The other thing mm-hmm. is just because, you know, people go back to work and don't have time for it, it doesn't mean that these things are going to be reavailable to the market. Like you might see like the the frenzy of buying slow, but you may not see an inventory increase. It doesn't mean that those people are going to go like, again, unless we hit some sort of weird economic crisis that we, like we said, may or may not be on the verge of, depends who you listen to. I don't know the answer because that's not my job to figure out. Uh, I'm just, I'm in it with you guys. Unless something like that happens, you're not necessarily getting more stock of this stuff. That's what happens when people buy up nostalgia items that are no longer being produced. You know, some amount of this stock will go into a closet and will never be seen again on eBay. So that's like a thing people should come to grips with as well. Uh, Like I said, just because the price comes back down doesn't mean there's going to be a bunch of new stock readily available. So prepare for that. Prepare for what, Johnny? Buy everything? Buy GameCube games? Uh, Is that what you're saying? No. Yeah, buy them all. <laughs> buy. Buy. Quickly. $6,000. Why are we talking about this? Like Why are we talking price? about it and not buying stuff? <laughs> so, Stefan, I yeah. have an idea. Yeah. We both think that $6,000 is a stupid price. Uh-huh. How about me and you split it since it's a duo pack? We both pay $3,500 and we can co-own it. Huh? Okay. Are you with me? All right, now, so is the strategy there that we would split it in half, or yeah. because we live in relative proximity, we could like timeshare? Um, we own well. You can, uh, you can have the games. I'll just take the sleeve. How about that? Oh yeah, then, no, that seems <laughs> completely fair. <laughs> it's like the dumbest idea ever. <laughs> you say it's the dumbest idea ever, as if we're not living in a timeline where people have shares in games. Oh, yeah, yeah, we are in the darkest sure. timeline, for sure. Yeah. Uh, like, that is no doubt like, in my mind. Yeah, now, now imagine us having a very serious conversation about a $100,000 game. Guys, uh, okay, so um, what I'm doing is I'm collecting share money right now. We're all going to get in on stadium events. It's uh, $24,000. Uh, we're going to have 24 shares. You can all get in at $1,000. Um, we'll maintain it in a safety deposit box, but, uh, Hey, we will all own it and we'll ride that check, uh, for at least 10 years and we'll turn around and flip it. We're all going to make a bunch of money. You guys in the video game stock market is real. Yes. I don't know if you're joking, but you know, there's a website that does that. Yeah. There Um, are websites that do that. (laughs) Uh, look, this is a thing I joked about before and then it became like, I have to be careful about what I joke about because, uh, I think those are terrible ideas, but who knows? Um, you know, stock sharing is actually a real thing. So it's, um, I'm not surprised that the idea has been extrapolated and applied to video games at all. (sighs) Lots of of little stock sharing apps that happen where people buy portion of stocks, you know, in, in stock groups and stuff. That's, uh. That's every day. Johnny, this podcast this podcast didn't used to make me sad. Why did this one make you sad? We just had a good laugh about how we're going to share. Uh, I share know. This, there's, uh, can't we just go all collectively go back to like buying loose Nintendo tapes? I didn't really buy loose Nintendo tapes. I did that for in like 2004 a little bit, and then I was like, I miss the boxes, which was weird because as a kid, I kind of got rid of the boxes. Yeah, me too. Although I did have all my my NES manuals in I like a too. lunch tin, I well I w- obsessively read my manuals and like maps and stuff. I love them. Yeah, I brought uh, them so... to school with me and read them during recess because that's the kind of kid I was. Yeah, me too. Uh, but I loved RPGs, so you had like these sweet manuals and like 
like sometimes there was like world building and lore in there and stuff. So you're like, oh, my God, you, you know how much you can learn from the manual? It's not just like press B to jump. There's so much stuff in here. That may have been a thing I tried to shout as kids. I remember arbitrarily just bringing games to like school so I could show off that I had them. Like I got in trouble for <laughs> having a, a copy of Diablo in my backpack in junior high. Stefan, that's exactly you on Instagram right now and on Twitter. Yep. This yep. is like no different. Why that's would right. I be shocked that you showed something <laughs> off at school? Look at what I've got. <laughs> Fat Cat Stefan here with some things to show yeah. you. Yeah, the origins of Fat Cat Stefan were junior high, man. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen Diablo? Of course you haven't. It's not released yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm glad you're a good sport about Fat Cat Stefan. I am a very good sport about it. Yeah. Um. All right. Have you guys gone crazy and done a bunch of game buying? Has the has the frenzy reached you? Have did you spend a ton of money on games? Yes. Yes. Uh, but I don't know that it was the frenzy as much as just like so much as fat cat stuff. Coincidentally, likes to, like Daddy likes happened. to spend money. <laughs> things just happened. And I like this one and this one, and I'll take two of those because who knows? Yeah. All right, Johnny, I'll start. All right, Tyler, let's go to you because no one wants to be behind Stefan. Uh, of course. Uh, I I don't know, Johnny. I'm, I'm trying to count. I'm just looking through my eBay things. I'm going to say I bought maybe 50 games since we last recorded. Holy crap. So I've been putting bids in on everything. And this has been kind of before I started noticing how absolutely nuts kind of 6th through 7th gen games are, or 5th through 7th. It's like, oh, I only won all of my NES and PC game bids. Um, but I did win a big lot of NES games. I didn't bring these up last time, right? Uh, like, Castlian and all that. Did I bring that up last time? You did. A little bit, yeah. Oh, f- All right, never mind. Let's say I bought, like, 25 games then. Okay. I think you had bought them, but they hadn't arrived. Oh, yeah. I don't like talking about things that haven't arrived. Yeah, me too. Are I you think sure I brought like this up, book. Johnny? I, I mean, you know, I honestly, I think you did, but I'm not 100% sure right, because we talk a lot about stuff. I don't want to talk about them then. then that, was, that was two weeks ago, Johnny. All right. Let's talk about something I bought. I don't remember why I bought it, but I decided it was the time to buy it. <laughs> I bought Violetta Rhythm and Music on the Wii, which was a thing like three years ago. And I decided uh, right now in summer 2020 is the time to buy what? this from Deal Tavern. What game? Violetta Rhythm and Music. Uh, and I'm mostly using this as an excuse. I would normally buy something like this and never bring it up. But I want to bring it up because I think there are probably listeners who don't know what this game is. So, uh, Violetta Rhythm and Music is a game that I think, as far as anyone knows, oh, was never oh, released to yes. stores. But I, I know this game. Yeah. But it showed up on eBay from a seller, Deal Tavern, who mostly sells, like, budget shovelware by the hundreds for very yeah, low prices. Yeah, it's a Disney game. Yeah. <laughs> So I think it came out in Europe, but it never came out. But you can go on eBay and buy one for 40 bucks whenever you want. So it's just this weird, yeah. like, obscure, rare thing. And uh, I don't know if I, like, I don't know if on my Wii buying I ever got to that one or not. I just wanted to have one finally. This well, just in, I, I did buy it, yeah. I Back in 2017, I bought that game. So, yeah, I have it. Oh, I, oh, I know why I bought it. So another thing I bought was a sealed copy of Odama. Uh, which okay. is uh, one of my, 
I, I'm not going to say it's one of my favorite GameCube games. There's a lot of good GameCube games. Odama is $25 brand new in the big box with the microphone. And I like that game a lot. So I figured 25 bucks for a sealed copy is not that bad. That's a, is that a first party Nintendo game too? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Odama big box first been... party Nintendo game for $25 yeah, that, brand new. What a deal money. guys. Yeah. I mean, it's been released a couple of times that people like it so much. Like what? wasn't, wasn't, uh, or no, not Odama. I'm thinking. You're thinking of Okami. Yeah, yeah, you're thinking yeah. of Okami. Odama yeah. is the samurai Japanese yeah, yeah, historical yeah. pinball game. Yes. <sighs> you you shout orders to your troops into the microphone and it doesn't work. I'm sorry. It's a pinball game and you are just now buying it. No, I have a complete box copy and I just bought a sealed one because I I like it and I you know I, I don't want I don't talk. I do have a lot of sealed GameCube stuff, Stefan. I know. Uh, it's super rare everybody super there's no sealed gamecube stuff out there definitely not like 10 copies of sealed metroid prime on ebay every second <laughs> guys i got microsoft adventure the ibm folio uh i guess there's that's probably the only release of it just the folio and the manual for 32 dollars. what's up i know uh, you're not cheering me uh, anyway, we have like zero context as to whether that could have been an amazing deal or you could have gotten completely taken. Uh, Microsoft Adventure is the first IBM PC game that was ever put out. It is a port of Colossal Cave Adventure. Uh, I would say complete inbox is worth somewhere between $125 to $200. So I'm going to say getting it without the disc for 30 bucks was a super good deal. Which Nokia phone was it on? <laughs> IBM PC, stop it. <laughs> PC games are important. I already told you I got Wizardry 1. Did you buy any more phones? Uh, I didn't buy phones. I bought I bought hair clippers as I'm, as I'm scrolling through my feed. I got to get rid of my hair. Gotta oh, yeah. I'm, about this coronavirus. I'm, I'm almost there, you guys. I'm, 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 uh, I'm, like, I'm right there. I, I grew my beard back mostly. Uh, well, not mostly, not my big beard, but like uh, I have face hair again and I'm about, I couldn't be like baby faced and bald. So I was like, okay, before I get the clippers, I got to have some face hair again. Hey, you know, uh, having seen the baby face in person, I like it. You looking yeah, it sharp weird. guy. Uh, by the way, we were socially distanced. We, we talked yes. from a good like 15 feet away and with face masks on still too. Good job. So, yeah. I don't, I don't like it. I feel weird. Like my face doesn't feel big enough. It's a, it was a really weird feeling. Like also I told you, I hate my double chin and until like having bad floppy, weird hair and then like a double chin, it like I regress back to eighth grade and I can't, I can't do it. I can't live in that space in my brain. So I was like, please cover it back up as soon as possible. So, well, uh, uh, yeah, when you do, when awkward. you do reach the point of buying clippers, Johnny, just know it's like toilet paper and they're hard to find. I had to buy mine I, on eBay for above MSRP. Okay, that that's I figure that was going to be the case. And uh, my follow up question, Tyler, because I know you did the research. Which are the ones I'm supposed to buy? And I got Foster Fast Feed. I okay. got Limited Edition, which I could choose between Teal and Rastafarian Limited Edition, and I went with oh Teal, God, which Teal. is the second ugliest color. Um, Rastafarian is a oh my God, I could have got it for five dollars less if I went for the Rastafarian version. I would and pay I'm like, I can't ten dollars not this. to. Yeah, yeah. You could buy better colors, but I figured I'll live with teal rather than pay an extra ten more dollars oh, for. Brown. What am I? What am I going to wind up paying for this? And our audience, because I know, I know there's a bunch of us all in the same space right now. What are we paying I, for? So hair I spent, right I spent now? maybe I'm going to say four hours looking up nothing but hair clippers, and I ended up on. The I know Oscar you did. Speed. I know you uh, did. That's why I'm, I'm saying I know you did your research. What, do, what are we paying for them? 
uh, 80 bucks. 80 bucks. All right. You heard it here, guys. When you're there, Oster, Oster Fast. <laughs> what is it? Fast. There one? are a lot of people happy. So, okay. You also got to get the. Uh, the guide, there's there's double magnet, purple magnetic guides that you have to get for it. But I'm not buying them yet because there's so many bootlegs out there and I haven't figured out how to tell the bootlegs from the real ones yet because all the places you would know have legitimate ones are out of stock. So is the bootleg <laughs> one like doesn't work or like what, like, is this so an issue the, of collectability the hair clippers or come with man? combs of different, <laughs> of different sizes, but it comes with like shitty combs. You want to get the good combs so your hair doesn't get caught in it, I guess. I don't know anything about hair clippers. And the best ones to get are these these purple ones made by a different brand, not Oster. You guys, let's go on the Hair Clipper podcast. You want you want to talk about my hair clipper research I've been doing, guys? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, man, I like maybe we'll take it offline, but I for sure need to know about this, and I'm sure <sighs> Stefan is. Like, Stefan and I are both interested. We're like, go on, no one's stopping you. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Stefan, do you want to talk about what you bought? No, Johnny, I didn't get to my best game. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought your best purchase was hair clippers. That's the thing I'm most jealous of you right know, now. It might be. So I actually bought a copy of Spider-Man on 2600 because I didn't have one complete in box. I spent $20 shipped on it. I figure that's a pretty Ooh. good deal. It's a, it's an $8,980 discount for not having the shrink wrap on it. I'll take yep. it. Best game I got, Rogue for the PC. I don't know why I saved this for last, because you guys don't care. Uh, I don't know if you remember, uh, in the little crappy room in Portland Retro Gaming Expo, where like the yep. sad people were, uh, yep. there was a seller who had this game. He had it for the TRS-80, and he had just like a big box of games, and by the time the seller came back, it was the one game that sold, and I was really mad, and I haven't been able to find a copy since. And the PC version... Is harder to find than the TRS-80 version, and it's super nice, and I'm extremely happy. Uh, I really like having games that entire genres are named after, like Metroid, and well, I guess <laughs> there's no genre for platforming, but like Donkey Kong and Super Mario Brothers, and uh, Rogue. It's cool. Nice. Yeah. Uh, is it cool? Sure. I'm going to go. Yeah, it's cool. Stefan, back cool. me up here. It's cool. Yeah, it's cool. All right. All right. Cool. All right. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Solidarity, man. Uh, so uh, there's no there's no console like equivalent of it so gotta get it on some pc it's ported to every computer ever are you guys gonna get a copy rogue yeah i've got it in my watch list right now you can get it sealed on the trs-80 for like 60 bucks or something and oh. i paid more than that for a not sealed version on pc Different okay well, computer I think, prices are i think i'm gonna look for a pc place. one in case i ever want to play it <laughs> okay i can <laughs> set a, you up with uh with a color computer yeah. though let me know. Oh. We, we can get you hooked up. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll talk offline. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Stefan, what'd you buy? How many? And how long is the list? Is it very long? Uh, I mean, I'm actually kidding. I, I'm, I'm kidding. Cause I want to hear about what DS stuff you bought. Cause I, I secret, I secretly like the DS. Okay. It wasn't, it wasn't 10 games. I thought I bought 10 games. I bought like five games, but, um, but overall I actually did buy, probably 20 games since last we talked I'm, i bought some retail games which is weird for we're me. adding Woo. to the problem but stefan's even buying video games this is what no covid's doing to us yeah this yep. is uh you might have to give up being a fat cat if you're buying video games i know <laughs> these are I, one of you'll, one you'll have to pick a different voice for me johnny I, it'll just be a dullard you don't want that voice <laughs> so uh as far as ds goes since you asked i picked up and i'm just looking at my eBay buys like Tyler was. 
I did. I went through it for a lot of the the N sixty four port stuff that I didn't have. So I got uh, Ocarina of Time for the three DS, um, and uh, and then Link Between Worlds for the three DS. Uh, Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story for the DS. I got Portrait of Ruin, which I've the one that's the game that I've been actually playing, like actively playing right now. Castlevania Portrait of Ruin. I bought some cereal boxes, which I'm not going to talk about much. Um, <laughs> Which ones? I got a bunch of. They had some like, so so I went and got like all the the Ralston hologram boxes that I could find basically for cheap. Um, so like the Ghostbusters. Did you get a Ghostbusters one? Ah, nice. I did. I got all. I got four different Ghostbusters ones. Oh shit! I can't wait till this is over and I can go actually into your house and look at stuff. And just like look at this weird shit that I bought. Yep. Uh, my weird pandemic shit. Uh, <laughs> I got uh, this really great. This really great uh, Rice Krispies Canadian box where it's it's the Enterprise on it and it's like firing phasers into the milk and it's just like awesome. Is uh does it is the milk change color with the cereal? Uh no, it was just a it was a regular it's just regular Rice Krispies, but it's it was just a Star Trek promotional. Hmm. Because I've noticed a lot of things where the box is interacting with like the thing is interacting with the milk, is usually because it's a color change to the milk. N- Nope, just normal Rice Krispies, but Canadian. So I don't know, you know, if they have different Canadian Rice Krispies. Um, <laughs> I bought a uh, on a whim. I bought a vintage Mighty Ducks jersey what? that hasn't that hasn't doing? shown up yet, dude. We're talking like a weird. month ago. Like guys, it's it's time to buckle down. We don't know where the global economy is heading. Got a Mighty Ducks jersey, by the way. <laughs> I bought some cereal boxes. The Mighty Ducks jersey. <laughs> Although my (laughs) my favorite my favorite cereal box that I bought so far is the uh, the Mr. T uh, box. I got Mr. T cereal. I'm very happy. I pity the fool who doesn't enjoy that cereal. I'm pretty sure cereal YouTube man has that. That's one that stands out on his wall. Yeah, cereal time. Cereal time TV. What else I get? Uh, I started buying some sealed games. I don't really want to get into which ones because I'm still buying some sealed games. But uh, I, but just like some Super Nintendo stuff that I, uh, that I didn't have that I uh, just like stuff that I actually actively like. I don't think I've paid more than two hundred dollars for any one of them, so it's not you know super popular stuff. Wafflefoot uh, Josh is going to be upset about one of your sealed buys. I think it's one of them is on his list of uh, actively lookings. Hmm. I uh, I actually he just texted me I love you out of the blue so I have to follow up on that and see why he loves me because okay. of all the cool stuff you post all the time that's not stupid stuff like video games. I also uh, I I decided that I wanted to try and I've I've been almost done with the PS One long box I'm not doing a PS One set but I do want to do the PS One long box set and so I decided that I was gonna actively try to finish that off so I bought a handful of games uh, from that set. Probably, we'll see one, two, three, like like eight games from that set. Um, the big buys, and this was the one that I was talking about previously, um, kind of amorphously, was the I, I finally tracked down a Earthbound retail poster, um, and that's a that that's a really big deal for me. This was the secret on the last episode, just to remind everybody. You, we were talking yeah. about like, oh, we're bidding on something. Yeah. So that was the the Earthbound retail poster. That's on my Instagram feed. You can go look at that. Um, and then the other uh, Earthbound related purchase uh, that's that's been sort of dominating my my mind share recently was I ended up finding a um, an unreleased 
like a, a pre-production uh, raw or a pre-production prototype of Earthbound uh, with a, as I said, a ROM that is not the final version. I bought it under the auspice that it was the final version with debug turned on, but it's not. It's definitely an earlier build. Okay. So Johnny, um, what did you get? Oh, do you have more Stefan? I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut uh, you off about your unreleased Earthbound prototype. There's yeah. the one of ones that we were looking for. Like, yeah. We got the there. Other, we got there. The other, the other Fat Cat Stefan thing was the uh, that Sierra collection finally did come in. Oh, so. did I? The, the other thing. Like, you know, Earthbound unreleased prototype is just one thing. But let me talk about the three unreleased Sierra games that are in this treasure trove of Sierra knowledge I just acquired. I yeah, pretty so. much bought out Sierra Online. It's now called Stefan Online. We didn't have to change <laughs> the initials. Um, yeah, so that um, that archive ended up being quite a bit bigger than I thought it was going to be, actually. Um, and there's like 12 different disc formats. So we're, um, we're me and uh, Frank Cifaldi are currently working just to try to like source source the drives that we need to even look at these things. But um, there was something like I don't, I don't have the number off the top of my head, but it was something like either 300 and, 306 or 406 uh, DAT tapes and like 160-something CDs. Uh, the CDs I'm already, I've already been archiving, but the, there's just tons and tons and tons of various formats of tape drive tapes. Some, some are very clearly labeled. There's like audio from uh, games and like the, the, like the orchestral versions of, of music for like Space Quest Six and and really odd games but um but then there's also just like droves of completely unlabeled or very poorly or like just like numeric serial number labels um that uh all these these tapes that we have no idea what's on them so that's going to be a very very long arduous process that you're probably not going to hear a lot about until we have something to show but uh so that's that's going to be a big project. Thankfully, um, the Video Game History Foundation is going to be helping me with that. So, so is that something I should hit you up about immediately and be like, "Hey, do you have this? Do you have this?" Like, I should bother you immediately, right? Because yeah, you'll be done no. tomorrow. I should get mad at you for buying this and not like having it right now. Why yeah, do you even tell that... us about it before it was released, Stephen? <laughs> when can I play WCW Wrestling, whatever that game was called at this point? <laughs> Tyler and Johnny are poking me about that because it's actually happening right now with the Earthbound prototype. Uh, people are actively aggressive about me releasing the ROM. It's getting released. It's getting released towards the end of the month. But, Why? Uh, well, they don't need this ROM. Get out of here. Uh, wait, are there are there other pre-release Earthbound prototypes out there that have been dumped? No. Ooh, what the f***, <laughs> All right. I thought I figured there was like other ones out there and they were just bugging you about this. But, no, uh, not to my knowledge. All right. Cool. I mean, all right, it couldn't have gone to a better guy because you have Earthbound tattooed on yourself, so you're not just buying this to invest in it. Right, and I am dumping and releasing the ROM, so it's, you know, I'm not hoarding it. No, hoard it. Oh, right, people do that. Oh, man, I forgot how messed up video games are. Yeah, yeah. well, the prototype scene particularly because und an undumped ROM is worth more on the market than a dumped rom so i'm like literally lighting thousands of dollars on fire uh it's no different this. than any other week we hear you right <laughs> but that's that's the that's the like the the thing about the preservation scene for um 
for prototypes and unreleased data is that when it's unreleased, it is more uh, it is more monetarily valuable. Um, so, you know, a lot of people, not everyone, there's other people like me, but there's a lot of people who buy uh, prototypes so that they can be the one person to have it or like that the, the high dollar value is then, you know, tied to that specific object. Um, the problem with that is that, you know, data rot is a thing. Um, in fact, even in this Earthbound ROM, um, I'm having some researchers go over it, and they are finding actually corrupted bits within the ROM file. So, like, if I were to just allow that to continue to live on the the um, the board, it would eventually be unreadable. Like, and that's a that's a real thing, and so. Um, you know, it, it is important to get this stuff out there and get it backed up and get it distributed so that um, so that it doesn't, you know, die with your board. And it's it, and it's important because you're you're such a well-known person in game collecting circles now that everyone would hate you forever if you tried to hoard it to yourself for monetary benefit. So it was never yeah. an option for you anyway. Well, if I was going to do that, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have said I had it in the first place. Oh, right? so it would you're already not telling be... us about the undumped prototypes you have. Right. Yeah, okay. my huge my huge horde of undumped prototypes. So, do you have three prototypes right now? Is that the correct number? Uh, no, I actually um, I have two right now. I I sold off UWC after I dumped it. What? Okay, I didn't um, realize that. I was gonna say you have an unreleased NES game, uh, the earliest known prototype of Earthbound, and then Dragon Warrior Four. It's a nice collection, Stefan. Yes. All right. I still have the Dragon Warrior 4. That won't leave the collection because it's a uh, gameplay counselor's copy. Um, and then, and that's, so that's part of my gameplay counselor collection. And then uh, the Earthbound I'm going to keep just because I love Earthbound. Uh, nice. Of course. Yeah, good, good job, Stefan. UWC I, like really wasn't connected to at all. And and it uh, really Art's served me no... Well, and it really served me no purpose past getting it dumped and out there. So And I was able to... I had mentioned it um before that like i wanted to be able to do right by the seller after you know because i i bought it under the auspice that it was a copy of wcw a very common nes game uh and when i got it and it was an unreleased wrestling game that completely changed things so but at the time i didn't have the scratch to just like give him more money so uh so in selling it i was then able to split the profit from that with him and it's then I I felt much better about the situation. Okay, stop trying to do right by people. I know, right? Why'd you Why'd you uh, negotiate yourself into paying more, Stefan? That's such a dumb thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's called relationship maintenance, Tyler. It is one of my strategies that I teach. Yes, and, and just so you know, SNK two D forever. Uh, everything I say to you is just my relationship strategy with you. It is uh, nothing to do with friendship or decency. It can be both, my friend. No, no, you heard it here. It's a strategy to employ to work <laughs> on right. people to get better I prices. I don't have right? any Steph genuine relationships. Uh, go to no, our no. subreddit, The Red Pill. Yeah. yeah. I don't actually really know what The Red Pill is, but I think it's something about manipulating women into... As uh, I say uh, on my <laughs> podcast about this topic, uh, the, the actual product is the genuine relationships. The byproduct is everything else. Oh, yeah. so you're saying the real treasure is the friends we met along the way. It is true. All right, Stefan, one boo, more question for you. Boo, boo. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, Stefan, one more question. Is this the crown jewel of your collection? Oh, God, no. Stop it. Don't do this. <laughs> Don't We're going to put this. stadium events aside. I know stadium events no, is, is like on a pillar. It. It's, it, it can't be beaten, but is this the well, crown jewel? Well, what are you asking? Be clear. You're asking about the Earthbound prototype? Yes. He, the one he has tattooed on himself. Like, if he had a real-life doctor that, 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 in his that, game room, that, I'd ask that, him about To that. be fair, Stefan's got a lot of tattoos, if you don't know. That's true. I don't know. I only know about Doctor Who and Earthbound. What other... I am covered in tattoos. But, um, it, I mean, it's up there, especially just right now, just because, there, again, there's so much mindshare on it, right? Like, I'm I'm doing live streams on YouTube of it, and, like, people are at, like, constantly... It's constantly in the forefront of my mind because it's it's such a, a highly anticipated and talked about uh, topic right now. So maybe right now you know as as i said in my interview in game informer magazine oh boy here we go uh, <laughs> um uh, god why do i why do i choose to go last why do i even bother <laughs> um it, it's uh you know it oftentimes the like the 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 most anticipated thing is like the next thing i don't know about Right. So like ask me again tomorrow when I found something else and it's not going to be my answer. No, just uh, if you want the actual answer, read his article in Game Informer magazine. Which issue is that, Stefan? Tell the people. It's uh, issue 325. All right. There we go. No, I don't have enough copies to send you. Man. Although the I do have enough copies to send the co-hosts of this podcast if they would like. Please don't ship it to me. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> save save one for me. It's not worth shipping because it's a game informer. But next time we yeah, see I each think, other, I do want that. I think they gave me five copies. So nice. Um, no, that is pretty awesome that you you got an article out there. Um, you did say it was a little choppy just by the nature of it, and I, I agreed with that assessment. Yeah, it came out clunky because like he we basically jumped on a Zoom call and he ended up cutting up a two-hour conversation and then by cutting up what he ended up mostly what he did was just you know cut and paste chunks of my dialogue uh in written form and the issue with that is that if you've listened to this podcast for any any length of time i do tend to ramble when i'm talking about games so uh we'll have to wake the people up for them to hear this part yeah (laughs) it uh it wasn't uh necessarily the most um well-plotted uh article no but it wasn't bad i don't want to i mean but you could tell like but that's that's not uncommon with a lot of articles too and you're going to be more sensitive to that phenomenon because you you in your head know everything that happened so when you read it you're like oh there's all this other stuff that isn't there but that that's normal so i also you know i've talked about it before i kind of hate the way that i talk and uh you know that's why i uh, listen to our own pod, th- this podcast so often. I, I listen to our episodes a lot to try to improve my ability, and uh, so and we're actually just that entertaining. You can do you can do that twice. Yes, but uh, but yeah. So reading a transcript of things that I say makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah, I probably just I wouldn't read it. That. I'll be too scared. I probably but hey, Stefan, you that. got. Is this your first time published in a video game magazine from the 90s? That's pretty cool because in five years, there won't be any of them anymore. Yeah, you know, it's as on a serious note, as much of my hobby really revolves around print magazines, you know, with my Nintendo Power Art, um, it was a legitimate bucket list item for me to get printed in a video game magazine. So, uh, 
to to now say that I I have been printed in one is is a very very cool thing and i didn't realize how like their circulation like you, you say oh nobody reads game informer but like their circulation is still like six million copies because everyone gets a copy with their uh with their gamestop membership yeah and it was the funko land magazine so that's kind of cool that's not like the dumbest thing you could be in yeah All but right. uh but yeah so it was definitely a very cool bucket list and i was very uh pleased and surprised and honored that they uh, approached me about it yeah that's awesome Johnny, yes. I know that you're going to have a follow-up that's going to blow us out of the water to uh, one of Stefan's, maybe Stefan's best week ever of telling us uh, what happened, what he picked up, what he's been doing. Oh, yeah, I can top that. Oh, you can top no. it? All right. No, I want to go no. back to the smallest <laughs> thing that he brought up, which I don't even know why he brought it up with all these other amazing things he's doing. Um, a Link Between Worlds. We were joking. We weren't really joking. We were going to say we might do a video game speculation episode. Uh, I'm bringing this up half as a joke, half not as a joke. Link Between Worlds is a beloved Zelda game. It went with coronavirus season. February, it was $15. Right now, it is $17. It is barely ticked up. Everybody loves this game. Uh, everyone should buy 100 copies of it, and we're all going to be millionaires one day. Because I, you know what? I thought that GameCube and up was basically immune from demand-based spikes in value because there's too many copies. No one is like physically throwing out cardboard boxes. They're all everywhere. They're all in the GameStop circulation, GameSpot stop, stop circulation. But look at GameCube now. So look, Link Between Worlds. It's going to be a $50 game one day. For sure. I told you here. You did. You told us but, here first. But don't invest in games. Maybe maybe invest in cruise stocks. Maybe. Maybe video games aren't the thing to invest in. I just want to say, I know Stefan puts in a lot of work into everything he does and everything he collects. But I see a lot of people buying dumb stuff at like all-time high, 10 times what it used to cost prices. And Stefan gets all this amazing stuff and he makes it look effortless. I know he's doing a lot, but he makes it look effortless by just a constant stream of amazing things. Oh, well, thank you. But yes, it is a uh, constant waking nightmare that is on the <laughs> forefront of my mind every moment of the day. And uh, yeah, it is It is a, you know, we, we have, you two have defended me on this point many, many times, many times on this podcast. But yes, it is a tremendous amount of work, um, the, putting in the, the time um, to find all this stuff and um, and just, I mean, for instance, the uh, negotiation for the Earthbound prototype started a year ago. Ooh, um, okay. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, it is a, a tremendous amount of work. So, thank you for the recognition, Tyler. John, All right? What, what? Well, do you want me to say something now? Uh, I don't want to. That's say our show, just, guys. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what about, what am I supposed to talk about, Tyler? I was surprised that you asked me to go before you, Johnny. No, I, I don't care. You're, I put myself at the back, uh, knowing what was going to happen there. I, we, we are already kind of know all the stuff that was coming. So what did I buy? Um, I bought kind of a lot of stuff, guys. It, this isn't like pandemic buying or anything. This is, this is normal Johnny buying. Like this is like within my cycle of, of things I do. But I guess, um, I guess I bought like kind of a lot for for like me um you know i love gba and uh you know bless him uh coffee with mr saturn 
on Instagram has been helping me get some of the GBA stuff and he's been like a source of information. I've been going back and forth with him and he had some doubles and stuff. So I bought a bunch of games from him. Uh, and there's like all like mid tier GBA stuff, like uncommon kind of desirable game game boy advance. Um, is a really weird system by the way. I did. I say GameCube. I was, I'm talking about game boy advance. Uh, so I also bought a bunch of carts for like boxes I had. Like I got a Doom finally for my box. I bought like a, a Wolfenstein. This is like, you know, nothing, nothing that's going to blow the doors off of, uh, anyway, no one's going to be like, damn, Johnny, that's amazing. But I also, there was a seller on eBay who had a bunch of stock of GBA games that you could still buy for like five to $7. So, uh, that's kind of when I see like GBA stuff is crazy and on the rise. And when you can get a complete game and you're not sure what's going to go. So I just bought like 40 games from this individual on eBay. Got, got a condensed shipping price. Average price of the game was like $6 or something. So there was some expenditure there. Nothing very exciting. It's like some Disney games and stuff. Not a lot of great stuff, but most of my purchases were like mid to upper tier GBA stuff. And, um, you know, a bunch of, uh, just good condition completes because I knew I could get them and, uh, GBA stuff is harder to get than you think, you know, GBA is the last cardboard box Nintendo system. So, you know, I have, I have some love for that. So yeah, I was bought a lot of that stuff. Yeah. That's uh, like I said, sorry, it's not the most interesting things to buy, but you know, super bust a move is like a good game our type three that's like a game that's that like a good game it's like a cool game like i got turok like good gba is weird because it, it's the home of of fake ports right people say oh it's a port and it's not because most of these games like uh gba encompasses this weird space where you know you have ports from the super nintendo and like even nintendo but then you get like games that were on N64 that kind of get shoved on it. And like same with PlayStation games and then Xbox games and GameCube games have like their version. Like when, when you were seeing retail releases of the game, they're like also on the, on the GBA. It was but like you, every game too. Yeah. It's so weird. It, you don't yeah. think about that now. It wasn't like every game was on the Vita. Yeah. It's just like, Oh, here's the GBA version. Yeah. That generation there definitely was like a, we need to port to everything all the time. Yeah, so that makes a thing. And so people think, oh, it's just the same game. It's not. Like, a lot of the cases, these games are vastly different. There's no way you can take an Xbox game and put it on the GBA. That's not how that works, right? But, like, if you can play a version of Driver 2 on the GBA. Guys, you guys playing Driver 2? How about GTA? Like, that. Like obviously... Is that G a different game that's not just GTA 1? Uh, yeah, it's it's different. Like it's not exactly the same. There's the technology isn't even similar enough to to do just a direct port. So, like Wolfenstein 3D, like you think that's the same Wolfenstein? Like come on, like sure. Well, I your personally Sonic... do. What what's different yeah. about Wolfenstein? What, what, GBA you, can do 3D want... graphics. Yes, kind of, but the the way it renders things, the the amount of things, like the size and space, certain sprites that they had to use, like it's not exactly the same. There's just, there's no uh, way yeah, for sure it's it not to exactly, be. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. So a, a lot of this stuff, like, and that'll make games play differently. Like I got Tactics Ogre on it, a bunch of Mortal Kombat's 
there's like Mortal Kombat. If you guys know, Mortal Kombat games are kind of expensive. There's this weird thing on the GBA where you would think, oh, it's Mortal Kombat. They they probably made a ton of them. It should be relatively inexpensive because it's Mortal Kombat. But then you're like, why are all the complete in-box versions of this 40 to $100? Like, what is going on here? So that's why I'm saying GBA is a weird system. So uh, it's got a lot of cool games as I as I learn more and more about it. I, I mean, I, I think I know quite a bit about GBA at this point because, uh, you know, I've always loved a lot of the weird stuff on it. But when you start to look at it as this uh, fake port machine, which, is, like I said, it's not really that, um, it's got a lot of interesting games. So I've been enjoying collecting for that. So, like I said, I, I acquired something like 70 GBA games total in the last month or whatever. Wow. Yeah. So it's not like a few, it's like 70 to 100 in that range. Um, and then like filling up boxes that I had uh, of nice games. Like Earthworm Jim is like a game that's not too hard to find, but Earthworm Jim 2 is like really hard to find on the GBA. Like why? It's weird, the stuff that, that's hard to get. Um, the other thing I bought was some PAL Super Nintendo games. People ask me like, what are you doing next? Are you finishing up uh, Game Boy Advance? Are you going for that as a set? I don't think I am. It's... It's a big set. It's hard to collect for. I always say that just because I don't... People say, you always say that, and then you, you wind up doing it, so why don't you just come out and say you're doing a set? Uh, and I I, I don't say it because... <laughs> they get mad at you about that. They, like, you'd be surprised. Like, people get like, just say you're going to do it. Stop f***ing around. Just say it. And I'm like, I, look, I, I say that because I don't know, and I don't want to commit to a thing. Plus, uh, I'm the type of person, the minute that I've fully decided and it comes out of my mouth... Uh, then obsessive thought takes over. Like, you can already see, I just bought 70 games and I'm not committed to it. So imagine what my brain is like when I'm like, this is the thing I'm going to do, I'm going to do this thing. That like the wheels and then like the research starts happening and uh, I, I over-focus on it. And that's, I'm not ready to commit myself to that level of effort here. So that's why I always say, I'm not doing that. I have committed to doing PAL Super Nintendo stuff. Uh, we'll talk more about that later, but uh, like on another show, uh, when we talk about sets, what I believe sets are, uh, I want a complete Super Nintendo set. I believe that some of the PAL exclusives are intrinsic to that, uh, just because I love Super Nintendo and I'm always looking for excuses on how to buy Super Nintendo games. So I got some. N- none of them are here yet, though, sadly. Um, so I don't, I don't want to talk about them too much, but I have been buying that what I did get was some name var- a name variation, uh, and we talked a lot about Castlevania, and you guys know I love Castlevania, so I got Vampire's Kiss, uh, the PAL. You know, obviously that's. I, I really. Well, like I don't that even cover. know what that is. Dracula X is called Vampire's Kiss. Yeah, Castlevania Vampire's Kiss, huh. and it's that got a sweet like a Japanese box. Name. That's so weird. It's an it's an awesome cover. Yeah, it's a beautiful cover, and like I I debate getting uh, the uh, what's it called. The Genesis one two for you know new generations of Bloodlines is new generation, but it's it's Vampire Killer new generations there. So I love the name Vampire Killer. Uh, same artist though also has some Japanese ones uh, that they did the art for for like Super Castlevania, and they they look beautiful. So I, I think about getting that as well, um, just because I like the art style there. It's no X68000 cover. No, <laughs> no. I mean, it's like a weird art style. You could look at it and say, like, I hate that, but it, it's like weird. I love it in the purple box, too. It's super Halloween-y. Like, I'm, I'm yeah, debating cool. doing, like, all Castlevania for this Halloween. Um, yeah, it's super great. 
So yeah, anyways, I got that. And that was from like a US seller. Uh, like they weirdly had that and Super Castlevania on PAL. And those came. Well, they're not like the best condition boxes, but I think the price I paid for them was like pretty reasonable because uh, Vampire's Kisses uh, can be pretty pricey. I, I don't really understand the full dynamics dynamics of uh, PAL Super Nintendo yet in pricing, but that one, like, I don't know why a manual is like $300, but sometimes a complete copy goes for $400 or $500. I don't really understand what's happening there. Um, some of it has to do, I know, with re like what country a game releases in. One day we'll have to talk about uh, like how weird PAL territory stuff actually is. Um, and, you know, like what, what countries are most desired. Like the UK is usually the most desired territory, but not everything came out in the UK. Some stuff only came in Germany or some in the Netherlands. Like it's, it's a weird thing to uh, start wrapping your mind around how the rest of the world collects because it's a uh, or how they ship to the rest of the world because it's a lot different than uh, the nice and easy way you you know if you're in the North America, like how easy and streamlined that is. Europe is not that way. Pal territories are not that way. Like you can't even say Europe because it also includes uh, you know South Africa and Australia. And Russia, which, uh, you know, was part of the Soviet bloc at the time, which then also includes Asia. Like, it, it's... Pal is very weird. Are there Russian SNES games? Uh, not really, but some of them got there, and some of them by pirates. Um, yeah, you know, okay. they're, like, you're... Like, and figuring all that out is kind of kind of weird. And then, like, you know, NTSC, like we talk about, that's weird, but, like, the Middle East can be NTSC, and that's weird, and, like... India is somehow in TSC and um, like there's there's a lot to learn there we'll have to do like a, a whole episode on, on like what that means for collectors because there's a there's a lot to still research and find out about that I don't want to pretend like I'm an expert like I have very very surface level info on it anyways a... all that to say I uh, I bought I bought some pal games I'm gonna buy some more I I'm on the road to that you were all gonna right, say Tyler I was just saying, there's like a small, there's a very, very small vocal minority that gets like mad when you don't bring up worldwide stuff. And they'll bring up just like lists of weird South Korean and like African uh, talk, like Comboy stuff. Guys, you're not talking about Comboy? Why not? Yeah, like stuff that like no one knows, especially off the oh. top of their heads. But there, there's so few people that care about documenting it. We, we have enough trouble just documenting what the hell came out in America? We don't know. We're like constantly looking for better documentation about video games. And there's the entire world pal split up into all these things. Like, I don't know, maybe the people in Europe are doing a better job of it, but well, and over uh, in the circles know. I hang out in, in the United States, we do an awful job of it. We just don't care. Europe worldwide yeah. just doesn't count. Yeah. So, and well, and then we're going to get into some of that. Like what sets mean and like, Stuff like that, like I said, next up. We keep having these. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. It's like two and a half hours, right? We'll just yeah. save it all for next episode. Yep. Cut so, all this. Uh, so that's uh, that's your preview of the next episode. And, uh, you know, some people will criticize me because we're just talking about uh, Johnny's buying habits on the podcast again. But when you buy everything, isn't that what video game collecting is? I, I don't know why that's a fair criticism. But uh, all right, you can't lose when you buy everything, Johnny. Yeah, man. That's right. Except Atari, but which I have you guys to talk about now. You guys can talk about Atari stuff. I've done it. I've found a way to not the show not just be about my buying habits. And we got <laughs> Stefan's weird one one stuff I would never buy. We've I think I've helped make this podcast come full circle outside of my sphere. Woo! Yay! Patting myself it. on the back. Yeah. 
everyone congratulate me. I'm so good at this. See what I'm doing, guys? I'm so good now. It's like, <laughs> totally evolved. Um, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm done with that line of talking. I don't like to congratulate myself or anything, really. Um, that's it. I think we're done with the show. Guys, uh, where can we find you? Uh, Tyler, why don't we go with you? Um, default gen, default gen, uh, video game stage a little bit. YouTube, Instagram, this world of working from home is making me not motivated to be on social media. But you know what? Maybe I'll be there. Yeah, you know, weirdly, as uh, I'm home more, I have the desire to be online less. That's uh, a strange counterpoint. Stefan. Uh, and shout out all the stuff you're doing. You you mentioned briefly how you like streaming Earthbound and stuff, but like really let the people know what the f*** you're doing. Or I didn't, I didn't even need the f*** word there, Johnny. Why? Just leave it alone. <laughs> I tried to be good. I know I dropped like two of them on this show. Yeah, I, I do kind of have a bunch going on. Um, I mean, I did mention the uh, the Game Informer article. So the Game Informer um, approached me uh, mostly about my Nintendo Power art collection. And uh, so that's in this month's uh, Game Informer 325. It's the grounded cover. And we, we basically just talk about, you know, what my motivations for collecting are and everything you already know if you've if you've uh, listened to this podcast. But uh, you should read it anyway because it's awesome. And then um, the Earthbound prototype is going to be released, I think, uh, the last day of this month. Um, we I just wanted to give the... I, I do have like a... It, seems, it sounds ridiculous, but I have a team of researchers going through it and identifying... Uh, changes in the ROM and and all sorts of things, so that when we do release it, it will be a very uh, comprehensive guide as to how this differs from the retail Earthbound. Um, so, and I think we're releasing that through Hidden Palace. So, uh, who does a lot of different releases? They released UWC. They've released lots of really crazy stuff. So check them out. But yeah, I think that that's that's what I got going on. And then you can find me on Instagram and Video Game Sage as Archon1981, A-R-C-H-O-N-1981. Uh, also YouTube at that uh, that handle. And then um, on Twitter at Art of NP, like NP as in Nintendo Power. If you just search for Art of Nintendo Power, it will come up. Art of no problem. That's me. That's, that's, uh, that's you know, right. Yeah, yeah. Art of no problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's a relaxation blog. Yep. It's not a bad name for a relaxation. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Me, you know where to find me. Right here on this podcast. Instagram, kind of. Uh, been slow on Instagram. Haven't been feeling it. Uh, even though I bought all this stuff, I know people are getting tired of looking at GBA games, but I love the I shape. I promoted of... the last episode, and I felt really good about myself. You did. <laughs> I, without even me being like, guys, can you put up a promo? I even I've been like so slow on it. Uh, I do love the the form factor of GBA games, though. I just I they are like my favorite box size, by the way. Just throwing that out there. Nope. Uh, so like GBA Vita. Game Boy, no, <laughs> I it just too shallow. Don't don't like it. Um, yeah, it is too shallow. Who? Uh, you can find me here, Instagram, uh, video game sage. I posted a little bit, so you can you can look at that. I'm looking for information if you guys want to contribute. There's a little post I have up there trying to figure out all the name swaps. Anyways, that's all I've got. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. I share your thoughts on like what you guys think is happening here in the video game world. Do, do you agree with us or not? Or you think something else is afoot? And do you think that uh, 
which way do you think the world is going right now? And do you think that's going to affect like, I don't, I'm not like sure if I don't want to hear if you hear the pandemic or if you have something political to say, I'm not interested in that, but like what, what you think is going to happen to collecting in six months as a consequence of whatever you believe, like you think video games are going to fall off shelf, stay hot, get cold. Let me know that stuff. Please don't, uh, please don't send me political rants because that is a surefire way for me to, uh, not respond to you. And uh, also, I think if you're we'll, uh, uh, if you're one of those people who bought Sculptor's Cut to play, you uh, yeah <laughs> at me. I, I really want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, what questions. was the thinking? Like, were you, did <laughs> was it like uh, it's so bad? I want to I want to hear what that's all about because that's a valid reason for me. But if you were just like, no, it's a game I loved as a kid. Like, okay. But if you know, Dead or Alive in- DLC these days can be hundreds of dollars. So spending a few extra hundred bucks on Skullcup, Skull, Skullcupter, Clay Fighters. Oh my f-ing God. End the show. Wow. I'm stopping recording. <laughs> he meant to say Clay Fighters, Sculptors. It's four guys. in the morning. Skullcopters? No, Is that what you said? Skullcopters? Skullcopters cut by Clay. Skulljager. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's it for the show because Tyler can't talk anymore. Bye.